Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Last Talk More Movies, the show where I try and talk about movies, but never talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is... Sean Cole. Also to my left... Harry. Yeah. And to my right... Kiva Sweeney. What's up, everybody? Hey, guys. I feel like I've been in this in months. Last week was the first week we missed because of whom's illness? Yeah, I was sick. How do you feel now, buddy? I'm sweet now. That that week off just made <laughs> the world look good. It was a relief. You know what was kind of weird as well is that last Friday, obviously it was decided we weren't doing the podcast. And that was fair enough because my busy mucks, Mickey Breslin, was very, very <laughs> ill. But then you phoned me at five o'clock, three hours before we'd usually record the podcast, <laughs> and says, oh, no, shit, you know what? I'm feeling a lot better. Let's do the podcast. And I was like, all right, fuck it. I got nothing planned for a Friday night. By the time I got back home, I honestly, Christ, say about 45 minutes after talking to this man, I got another message. Oh, no, man, I coughed, and it just fucked me completely, so it's <laughs> off again. <laughs> I, I I just, I know, the lamb set must have kicked in or something. <laughs> I just felt sweet for about five minutes. <laughs> I was thinking, it must have been the world's biggest cough. If I could do no, like, that was, it, it was, like, it was just coughing. I was just caught. It was like like chain of coughing, and then like they throat was actually full. Like, it was that's how you say when you're blocked. Just. So I, you, you could have done this podcast. I no probably could have done it. <laughs> no, I was sick as well. Like not on the exact night, but it was just the night that it was cancelled. Mm. I arranged a gig, and I saw sweet thing do we gig. Yeah. The Thursday before all. I don't think I could breathe. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like shit. You you're really looking forward to that I was so excited. <laughs> I will. Hey, but I'm feeling healthy. You're feeling healthy. Yeah. Boom. Shan, how are you healthy? Oh, I feel 10 feet tall. Health in the tank. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> well, health in the tank for the next 40 minutes. Maybe. We'll see how the nice danger bottle is. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and health is kind of like a loose term <laughs> in the tent. Anyway. <laughs> health, basically, in your terminology, means not sick. But <laughs> normal. none of us are healthy anyway. <laughs> no. No, normal voice. We are not. <laughs> <laughs> we are not. Danger bottle. Do we have to smash it every week? I know. <laughs> That's the whole point of drinking it like it. Yeah, you suck it up from the floor. <laughs> That's why we got these straws. Okay. Harrison. The danger bottle this week is... Oh, my oh, God. Juicy. No. Juicy cream. This is what the winos drink. Fortified. Have we had this before? No. British wine. Let me see. Oh no, I think we had like VC or something before, was it? Well, that's a step up, by. That's, 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 that's from middle class, <laughs> why knows? <laughs> QC cream. This is actually like the go-to drink for the alcoholic. Is this what we've come to? 
Is this a level or not yet? What What's the percentage? Oh, it's well, it's fifteen percent. Uh-huh. It's essentially just like it's, the, and this is really bad. It's like a lower level book fest. It's for when you can't afford a ball of book fest, which is like <laughs> six fifty. You buy a ball of fucking QC. Much as QC. Q- All right. Uh, five forty nine. Uh, five forty nine. So just over it's, the fiver. It's pretty good for like the size of bottle you're oh, getting. Like. You absolutely. Shan's going on like, oh, yeah, this, this is, this is the drink of the winos and all that. You, you know a lot about it. Like, <laughs> I mean, you've, this is clearly not your first time. You well, to be fair, I don't know about Shan's experience, but my experience of this drink is always finding empty bottles of it in the the haunts we used to <laughs> frequent. See, that's that's the only reason I know about it. Because you left them there the last time you were there. <laughs> okay, spoil the buzz. I always thought as well is a, a QC not the name for like a judge, and a QC. Why? That sounds right. No. <laughs> it is, and they're like a QC is the name for a judge, isn't it? Is this about like UK judges? Because all my terminology yeah. is all US. Yeah, it is definitely because I think. Why, well, what does it stand for? I have no idea, but I'm nearly sure it's a Queen's Court or something like that. I'm nearly sure. That's just the a QC placement. is the name for a judge. Maybe it's Queen's Beep. <laughs> <laughs> and how ironic as well because. After drinking a bottle of tea, I ended up in court like so. You may as well. Two seconds. Did, right. did you just did you just bring that up just to try and crack? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The judge thing was just a complete bluff. It is actually. Go on Google it. There is. It's definitely the name for a judge in the UK. Uh, right. QC Cream Fortified British Wine has a rich dark color and smooth full-bodied sweet taste. So many drinks did that. Like so many drinks we've had on did that. They did drink for relaxing at home. Or if you're loving or, under a or, <laughs> If your home is a box. <laughs> if, if you have a home. No, to be fair, that's about bit lousy to put that on the bottle. I know. They know that winos drink it It's like they're taunting them. Yeah. It's ideal to drink at home, but you can drink it in the street. You can drink it outside Dixon's or wherever you want. Dixon's? So you can watch the TV? Really? It's a Peter K joke, but I like it. I thought that's where you were going with it yeah well it should have been obviously not that talented uh right this is qc cream but oh my word what do you, my what word, do you my mean word. is there a qc there's a QC standard and then this is cream a, a sherry it is a sherry but there's a qc rich ruby that sounds phenomenal we should try that sometime. i think that's the one that we're thinking of queen's council shanko yes as it was all right no is the name for a judge um I think it's some kind of rank. I don't know. Is it kind of like, you know the way in America they have like an attorney and then they have the district's attorney who works for the state is the queen's, what is it, council? The person who works for the government, basically defending the government. Is this America? No, but I'm trying to Ah, work out what it is. Queen's council are particularly eminent lawyers appointed by... Letters patent to one of Her Majesty's councils. Boom! See, if Dom was here, he would have been able to tell us that shit straight away. Like. There's also King's Council. Oh my word, a Casey. <gasps> Proper big balls, then, boys. Never heard of Casey in my life. The office is known. Oh, the office is known as King's Council. I don't know. Who this is probably fuck? all wrong. I'm just reading off Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, I actually added that. Just as we were talking I about it. it. <laughs> Have you been editing fucking judicial pages again, Kima? Yeah, boy. We've talked about this. <laughs> <I know>. Has <laughs> anyone drank the drink yet? Oh, no. No. Have a suck, Harry. Have a suck, sorry. Have a sup. <laughs> have a suck and then have a wee drink, sure. <laughs> I'm having first go then, first crack. Normally, Shan's dying to get first drink and it's just telling that he doesn't want it. You know what? It's bearable. You can see why they drank it. Jesus. I talked about them like they're feral people. <laughs> I know you're one of them. Don't call them. <laughs> Say us. 
<laughs> just the fact I have a house, I think I'm better. <laughs> you think you're better than us with your house? <laughs> Fuck you. I'll what do you think, Harry? You don't look impressed. He Small really rest. doesn't. He looks disappointed at himself. <laughs> I feel like a complete sunbite. There's a definite <laughs> look of regret. Like, Fuck's sake, I went 49p over budget for this. <laughs> kind of smells like wine gums, though. Yeah, what, really? Like like it. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had wine gums in years, though. So. Yeah, okay. You're probably not going to ever have them again. Smell- if you so with maybe just like out the gums, kind of smells like wine. No. <laughs> Old wine, possibly. <laughs> have a go. <coughs> no, that, that's one thing. That's always a good sign. That's a plus. That's a plus sign. <laughs> you don't taste it for very long. But you get that with a lot of wines, especially a lot of the danger balls we've had. It's all right. It's drinkable. I'll drink the fuck out of it. <laughs> like you say, there's a wine every danger bottle. You're calling me the wine. This is worrying. Did you it's, read the front of the bottle? It's very jammy. Oh. All right. So um, the smooth, mellow taste of QC is produced using a skillful process of fermentation, aging, and blending, combined with expertise acquiring over more than three quarters of a century what acquired over sorry but not bad it, can you punch it as well gum? like obviously this is are you is anyone wearing lip balm yeah. no. <laughs> obviously like this is the drink that's associated with alcoholics and stuff like that. do you think they have like custom <gasps> parties like they that's spun, like, spun shit. Out again? that's really sweet ah it's really really Same. sweet Mm. Well, it's like Buckfast, yeah, you know what I mean? Buckfast filled with caffeine as well, so is that there? So that's by right. the end of this year, we're going to be fucking bouncing all That's grand, I was nearly falling asleep before this. <laughs> yeah. Need some energy. I'm sold on that. <laughs> oh, Kiva. Kiva's this on time, it now. This time next week, you're going to be homeless. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> you can live in my spare room if you want. But you can't drink QC. What? The no. Let her the stay in the outhouse. I can, you can sleep you can with the dogs. You can drink QC yeah. out there. I've just put a new duvet out there like for the dogs. Like, so there you go. You know what I mean? Do you put the dogs out there at night? No, they fuck. They stay in the house. So that means there's more room for Kiva. Like, if she wants to stay over. <laughs> Definitely someone is sleeping in that duvet out there at some point. Do you know that uh, Dan, who's obviously been on this podcast a couple of times, he was locked out of the house about three weeks ago. It was over the whole Christmas onslaught of drinking. And when he was locked out of the house, he says that he had two options in his mind. He said he'd rather try and go up to a payphone outside the shop beside where he lives and try and phone his parents to find out where they were, or he was going to sneak into my backyard and sleep in the outhouse. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, like, he was so close to his fucking starting to dance over to my house. Picture me going out the next day, finding down in that fucking doofy, curled up beside my washing machine. You would be quite cold out there, I think. It'd be freezing. It'd, it'd, be, well, it'd, be, climb, it'd be climbing into the tumble dryer. Anytime, <laughs> we, anytime we have sessions out there, we have to mask and tip the door shut. Because it doesn't shut otherwise, there's no lock on the inside. I just thought you were getting hot bugs. <laughs> I remember I'm sitting on, you know, you have like a chair right there. It's quite low, I, like I was sitting on that chair and I was quite cold. It was Halloween. Yeah. And I was no sleeves or uh, scantily clad. Scantily clad on <laughs> Halloween night, as is the dairy tradition. And uh, I remember just anybody, like, I was all sitting my knee. They were, oh, I'm way too heavy. I was all sitting my fucking knee and freezing. <laughs> <laughs> I had, like, Paul Tierney, Tracy O'Donnell. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Everybody Everyone was all freezing. I saw a toast for those days. It's a pile up on the throne. <laughs> Rubbing up against people. Um, and that also, yeah. <laughs> what have we watched this week, folks? Who wants to go first? I could go first. Boom. Uh, this week, I watched The Voices. Oh. Are you fucking serious? Is that your phone? That you're yeah, you bitch. Oh, no way. <laughs> no. Shit. Okay. No, no, go ahead. Do you have some? I could talk about someone else. If you I want. can talk about someone else. Well, I watched oh. more than one film in two weeks. <laughs> what a wanker. I only, well, I haven't watched this one, so. <laughs> um, Why do you hang the voices? I thought it was pretty weird, pretty good. I know. Uh, 
a lot of people I was talking to it about, four people that I was talking to it about, um, the four of them were like, oh, it was really, really funny. And I did find it funny. I could see the comedy value, but Tell me, me about it because I know nothing about this All right, one. okay, all right. So The Voices, it's 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's directed by Marjan Satrapi. Sounds important. Probably saying that right. Sounds important. She did that other animated one. Persopolis. Yeah. So, so this film, The Voices, um, is the first one that she's directed without any um, creative input. So her other, her other projects, she's written or co-written, and uh, it's got Ryan Reynolds, uh, Anna Kendrick, Jem Arterton, and a lot of other people. I don't know. Um, <laughs> they're the main uh, three. Good research. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, they're the kind of main. Is it live action or animated again? Live, live action. action. Live Sorry, action. it's live action, and um, it's it's just come out on Netflix, and that's why I watched it. I self admittedly flicked past it about five times, and then the other night I flicked past, and I was oh, I'm not flicking past this again. It keeps coming up. I'm going to watch it, and it's the first thing I'll say about it. It's very like bright, colorful. Everything's like pink, almost choreographed. He works in a Ryan Reynolds as the lead character. I, what's his name again? In no idea. <laughs> Whatever his name is, Ryan. My... <laughs> Ryan. Um, he works in a bathtub factory where they make bathtubs and they make them from scratch, box them, and send them out. It's not fridges. It's bathtubs. Okay. I'm almost sure because I remember being all what the fuck bathtubs. I know. I don't pay attention. It's all right. <laughs> so it's some kind of you know, household appliances. Household shit, right. like um, I always wash myself. But everything's like. They're wearing um. They're wearing. This is the kind of opening sequence, and not not the the Sorry. intro, but. Does that mean you eat in the bath then? I... <laughs> Who doesn't eat in the bath? Does that mean you keep your food in the bath? Go into the bathroom and get a pint of milk. <laughs> So that's where you keep your stash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's never any food in this house when I go check them for it. Exactly. Um, yeah, but, uh, they're, so they're obviously working in a factory making, you know, they're making it from scratch. So I, in my head, I'm thinking factory, it's going to be dirty, grit, not dirty, you know, but like a lot of mess. Yeah. You know, you're going to be greasy, oily, you're making shit. No, they're all pristine. They're wearing overalls that are pink. All the packaging's pe- like everything's like... Offensively pink. Like, oh. <laughs> It's overtly so bright <laughs> everything's almost perfect really yeah. um is this done deliberately well, do you think yeah as, as it's supposed yeah, to be definitely in that way definitely it's done deliberately because um so you're introduced to ryan reynolds whatever his character's called i can't remember um and you you find out initially like almost straight away that he's seeing a therapist but you're not sure why um but you kind of you're starting out with a bit of sympathy toward him. Yeah. You know, he like he fancies a girl at work and they, you can kind of tell they think he's a bit weird. You know, weird. <laughs> and you're like, oh, he seems kind of sweet, you know, like, you know, he's just not very social, you know, but he tries. And uh, I don't I don't know if this is a spoiler, right? But he's trying to go out with this English girl at work who is Gemma Arderton. He really fancies her. He's all, going, you know, but not like, he's not stalking her. I yeah, don't so think... He's... Uh, but he asks her out and she kind of awkwardly says yes, but then stands him up to go do karaoke with the other girls in the office, who include Anna Kendrick, who you can see initially does fancy him, you know, 
and you're thinking so jealous like watch your you know like i i was thinking watching it if i was him i'd be like well she likes me anna kendrick so i'll try and go with her instead of the other one but fine but Gemma Arterton's actually so much hotter than oh yeah anna kendrick (laughs) she's beautiful in this film i never remember you brought this film up (laughs) because you said that exactly fucking massively doesn't agree to Chan, uh, Chan loves Anna but so my very he stood up on this date and this all happens very quickly so not really giving too much away it happens about 25 minutes it's the entire film Kiva no. <laughs> right. third act stuff now <laughs> when she stands him up so she stands him up and um, so this is still when everything's very bright and happy and then it's caught in two scenes with his psychiatrist dying again and then his psychiatrist is asking are you still taking your pills and he's saying Yes, he's not, <laughs> <laughs> and she's all you're not, are you? And he's like, sometimes, most of the time, I'm taking them, you know, blah blah blah. So it goes on, and he gets stood up on the date, but then happenstance, is it happenstance? I yeah, it's a good word, strong to, word. <laughs> to pass her in the rain when her car's broke down, mm. and then she gets in the car, and she seems like really, really too up for going out with him right at that point she's like oh sure why don't we just go out now we'll just go out now and go to this burger place at rocks right in the, out, in the out, out in the middle of nowhere and takes her top off and you're thinking like what the fuck's going on here right <laughs> and then so they end up in the middle of the fucking woods right and he's does he murder <laughs> it just sounds like this is where this is going all right like... spoiler alert <laughs> he murdered he murders her does he yeah what this, right. th- this really hasn't spoiled it yet, yet in the trailer. This, it tells you this in the trailer. tells <laughs> you this. In the trailer, you know, you know. That, that he kills her. And he this ki- is yeah. like first 15, 20 minutes. Oh, and I forgot they say just hell. before before his date. It's more accidental. He's getting I'm a, starting to get the title now, Voices. Obviously he's getting he's a, a pep talk, right? In his house from his cat and his dog. <laughs> but it's not like, you know, people talk to their pets, but I mean, their mouths are, they're talking to him. So his dog's like, oh, you're, you're a good boy. Oh, I should go out with you. And the cat's like, She's fucking bad. She's not going to go out with you. You're a piece of shit. She's not going to go out with you. Like. Cat's and Scottish, which is very good. <laughs> All right, she's not going to go out with you. So you better fucking, fucking wise up your shit. Right. <laughs> a bit closer. Solid accent. So um, he's getting advice from his house pets on his dating life, which you're a bit weary about. Does but, no one else do that, though? It's still quite sweet. At this stage before he kills her, it's still quite sweet. So they, they, they crash into a deer and the deer's like coming through the car like, that, that that's actually pretty fucking brutal. And well. then the the deer's like all dying, being all kill me, you know, to him because he can understand Aye, he, animals. He's mental. He's is, this, is this a really fucked up Doctor Doolittle? <laughs> fucked up. It's it's so weird, but it's it's good. Like, so he but but in any situation, if you ran over an animal that badly, you would have to kind of kill it. But the way he does yeah. it is. He doesn't even explain anything to her. She's just in the car and he just fucking stabs it. There's blood everywhere. Yeah, he just so pulls she a knife out of nowhere. Freaks. And fucking... I, why does he have that knife? You know, right? <laughs> so she freaks it and runs. And he runs after her with a knife. Oh, stop. Stop running. Bad. He told me to do it. And she's all, fuck off. <laughs> Get the fuck. So I, she does stop. She falls and, and he kind of trips under her with a knife and stabs her. It's bad times. Uh, but then he seems to very much enjoy that. So he doesn't mean him or like he doesn't so mean day. Like he, yeah, he didn't he mean day. But then he was all, "I'm sorry," and stabbed her twenty times or something. Oh, right, you know, I so mean, he kind of doesn't mean it then. Like. Well, no, it's it was it was nearly like he had to put her out of her misery yeah, kind of thing. And... The thing that you do get from this film is times, he's a very very sick <laughs> man. He's, he's mental. a mentally <laughs> ill man. Like he suffers from severe schizophrenia, if not other things. Yeah. Um, but 
the thing I thought was the most kind of enjoyable that that brought the comic effect but also then made it really jarring and fucking hard to watch was when he he actually submits and takes a pill mm. so he takes one of his pills that he's supposed to be taking and then life turns from not so bright to fucking the reality of what's going on yeah. so you know his job's all bright blah lovely his apartment's like pristine he's got his lovely pets and he takes a pill and then after a few minutes like you see his actual apartment and you see the way he's living and it's you have to watch it it's, yeah, it's the like the, the the colors change like everything is bright now it's everything already dark is like and gr- grim drained and, I as well that everybody else's reactions to him and how they how he's treated in his own life is completely different it's not like, even ju- like see, things don't even exist when he's not on the pu- you know like say yeah. all the say, he's living in complete like like he's oh, living so like a scumbag he's full yeah, of rubbish Fuck it! Like he's killed Gemma Arterton and has her head in the fridge. Oh, Aye, right, and, there's, yeah. and there's blood everywhere, but Aye, he doesn't see he the doesn't blood. See when, it. When so it's what all he frightened. sees is this perfect apartment. He opens the fridge and Gemma's all, "Hey, morning! I love you. <laughs> you gotta get me a friend." You know. <laughs> so it's you're 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 kind of like, huh? But then you're thinking, "Shit! No, that's not the way it really is." You know. So I think it's 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 shot. It lets those scenes happen without you being like, "Uh," because. You you know really it's not happening that yeah. way, but it's it's I think it's it's quite smart the way they well, the way like, that she uh, shot even, it. Like even you describing it, it just kind of it's pulled me in because I hadn't really heard about it whatsoever. And then how you've described this fucking duality between the, the two worlds, and I'm sure that when you were watching that you wouldn't expect that to happen. Not at all. Right, and it was almost not like kind all. of fairy tale. Or from the way you're describing, it, it sounds like maybe. Musical color saturation. It's almost a Broadway musical so without really music. Really light and fluffy yeah. and stuff like that. So then, for it to take this ridiculously dark turn so quickly, that's fucking the, crazy. The the thing about when he takes his medication as well, he goes to talk to his dog and cat, and they obviously don't say they anything because he's mm-hmm. on his medication, and so he starts screaming at them like "Talk to me!" and so and so it's that whole scene. It introduces really well his actual reality, but just how horrifying his, his real reality, reality is. is, and that. Then he doesn't take the pill again. Then everything's just all bright and shiny again. And they they do that a few times. Then in the film where other people see his apartment or whatever, mm. and they see the true the truth of it, and it just does really well. They actually kind of try and explain what's actually going on in his head. And because him as a character as well, he has this kind of split personality thing where, like, he killed Jim Arden, but he keeps saying he's not a killer. Yeah. yeah. But he's doing these things. But he he kind of he doesn't see it as he's doing. Yeah. And the like the whole it's way the through illness that's doing it like. I and the whole way through the film, like I I I I was like relate I really related not related to his character but like I I was really kind of on. Your pill today? <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was really like on his side, and then when things were happening. Oh yeah, where, I was at the start too. I was totally on his side. But when things start happening, where like you think he's going to do something bad again, you're oh Jesus, no, Ryan, don't <laughs> be even like, even like as you say about like on his side, I think you know he's doing bad things, right? And but th- you do know he's sick. So really, it's not about like oh I'm not on your side anymore because you're still thinking like sh- how are you allowed to just live on your own and you shouldn't so, you shouldn't be able but, to but even, but even with with him talking to his cat and dog because it's a film you kind of and it's a bit comedic and stuff you can't accept oh he just talks to his dogs or his dog and cat but uh 
there's there's a scene then when he's talking to his therapist and like he's kind of saying like some of the bad things he's done and then he comes out wait no but my cat told me to do it and it's it's and in like, that in that moment you're kind of like oh fuck I he is mental like, <laughs> totally but you know what I mean like you, you're you're kind of on his side and you kind of go along with everything that's happened to him but then like that's where it kind of hit me where and he says but but my cat told me to, and it's like oh that, that sounds really mental there's a <laughs> so, there's sorry go no on. I was just gonna ask so it doesn't add to that sort of taboo of mental illness it actually treats it in a sensitive way because it, there's a lot of films out there because it's such an easy narrative to do where it's just like oh he's mentally you know forget about him he's doing these things because he's mental does it actually treat it like it is an illness and yeah. people do have yeah, this definitely, like, definitely. Like, and the whole film you're you're with him not your you know it doesn't matter what your point of view is but the way the film is made and the way the story goes and how it's shot you're you're living the film with him you know you're not like you don't go out of him and like follow you know maybe like you see Kendrick a couple of s- scenes of oh i kind of like him but he's just left the r- you know you're with him the whole film mm-hmm. but something that i was going to say about the cat and the dog originally uh marshall wanted to bring in voice actors they play the the cat and the dog but right. ryan reynolds kind of insisted because it's an illness that comes from within those voices should be his and she was a bit skeptical you know she was all i don't know and so he just messaged her like his what he would do a dog Mm. and how he would do the cat then i think the cat's based off he has a scottish friend that he's had for a long time and she was all perfect that's perfect it's you know and it really worked that's good and speaking of reynolds how is he in it because there's a lot i mean like Ram Reynolds has a kind of strange career because obviously he was first known for comedy and then he's done some good dramatic roles. Obviously, I buried a couple of years ago and he's had some solid performances with, uh, like, even Sif House. It's, it's, it's not a great film, but it's a good performance. He's had some pretty solid performances in general when it comes to uh, dramatic acting. But a lot of the time, it's maybe just a personal thing for me, but I find it hard to take Ryan Reynolds seriously when he's being dramatic. Not saying that it's any sort of result of his performance because he is a pretty I don't think he's an amazing actor but he's a very solid dramatic actor and he can do comedy quite well but how does he come across because it seems like he's doing a bit of a balancing act there it seems like uh, there's a bit of dark humour on here I with. think I think the two strengths of, this, of the film comes from the direction and Ryan Reynolds' performance I think it's yeah. really well directed with the kind of shift in perspective and st- all that kind of stuff I think that's done really well and really kind of gets across the the illness of the character and Ryan Reynolds, he, he he has this kind of general creepiness through it. Even when he's like being nice, nice at the start, yeah. he has this kind of really creepy kind of smile. But you know he's trying to be nice, but he's just kind of looking at you fucking mentally. It's almost, <laughs> it's almost like it's it's not vacant, but you can tell. It's gormless. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's somewhere else when he's talking to people, yeah, you know, yeah. and. Because yeah, even when he's talking to people, he's he's not really listening to what they're saying. He, he kind of has a, has a, an idea of the way the conversation's going to go, and that's the way it goes. It's yeah, a so. facade, you know. And he and he puts on Ryan. He does well, and he puts on that kind of oh, I I am a likable person, yeah. you know. I'm I'm yeah, good. Yeah. I'm that, you know. It it works. So he's got both them replies. It's it's not natural. It's just like you were saying, Mickey. It's he knows the structure of most people's kind of mundane conversations so he knows certain things that he has to say to make it seem like he's normal yeah but he doesn't actually feel what he's saying yeah but then a lot of the times you can see him losing it through, you know he starts yeah. he's anytime that he has to talk for more than like a sentence you could if you knew him you would either think oh he's quite odd or he's fucking mental 
or yeah. he's like on drugs or something, it's, it's you because know. Because that's unprepared. Then that's why you say that has structured. He's bald probably in his head. It's actually sorry, I've not I've not heard this. It sounds very interesting. It's so very I'm good. definitely going to. I'm it very a go. glad. I'm glad. I know. Really. I I was I was surprised I liked it so much because I just kind of whacked it on just because I didn't even think like the trailers and stuff looked that good for it. I just kind of put it on just because I like I like Ryan Reynolds and it was just it was on Netflix. Netflix. I yep. just came on Netflix Sweet. a few weeks ago, but. uh I know, just a, one more thing about Reynolds' performance is I think it could have been so easy to overact that kind of thing and yeah. really go like, oh, I'm mental kind of thing, yeah. or oh, I'm socially It's awkward. very easy to do. And that's and I think he has a bit of subtlety to it, which I think is good. That, that's exactly why I asked about his performance, because there's a kind of a, a tarnished sort of history in, in Hollywood or in films in general of like kind of hammy theatrical performances for people who have mental illness and it's fucking very insulting to anybody who's got a mental illness and people it. just kind of go on that way when it's not the case it's way more subtle and it's way more kind of deeply ingrained in somebody's psyche or, or, or whatever problems that they have so I was kind of wondering how that's played because it, there is a stock sort of performance that a lot of actors you know some great actors some very poor actors go to they you know kind of go up balls out of the bath basically and yeah. just overperform everything but I think that the best performances in regards to mental illness are the ones that are probably a bit more subtler because that's exactly what mental illness. Like you've, you'll very rarely meet somebody who's got a mental illness who you'll know straight away or who's going to be like in your face fucking screaming and crazy and fucking teeth chomping. I think as you said it before, the kind of two strong parts are the direction and Ryan Reynolds. But I think on top of that, because of the direction, because of the style she decided to make that film in, it really let Reynolds shine mm -hmm. because a lot of it is through his mind. So... Yeah, maybe he is like overly nice and really good, but then you're thinking, I'm definitely going to rewatch it, and and I'm going to think, are the things he's saying what he's actually saying, and how he looks, does he actually look like that, yeah. or do other people see him differently? You know, I think the the style of direction let Reynolds play it, as you say, not not over the top, but it let him play it like Ryan Reynolds would play a role didn't make it unbelievable because it's in that kind of musical bright broad setting yeah. that that it's acceptable good good there, there are a few naff bits in it as well just because i just realized where it's kind of like a love buzz about this film but there's like it's it's not a perfect like i was i'm a bit unsure about the ending like I, oh I, that the musical i well the musical bit was just fucking weird but what, that the, the actual ending? ending as well i just but it's the kind of thing like how do you end something like that but yeah. we won't talk about that. But uh, also, in this town, you can't seem to get anywhere without driving through a spooky forest. <laughs> anywhere they went, they were always driving but through I'm a thinking, spooky forest. Is he just driving people to the spooky forest? Possibly. And then he's on a first, he's on a first date, and he decides to take them to the house he grew up in, where his ma died. <laughs> No, and, she, and, like, and, no. she, and she's fine with it. He, he wanted to, to get a friend for Gemma in the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> she was on so bad. No, but she, no, but I don't she, know how no, she, no, but she didn't know that. And she was fine with it. I know. And yeah. Uh, but then. if I mean, if you're going to that, you deserve to die. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to read too much into it, right? But I'm going to. <laughs> the, uh, so I found quite odd whenever she stood him up, right? She stood him up. Gemma Artitutin. Gemma Artitutin stood him up. And she then her car broke. a bit of a bitch. Yeah, she, right. Her car broke down. He drives past randomly. Yeah. Is that going to hit? What's the chances of that, yeah. right? So 
he picks her up. She straight away takes her top off in the car. She straight away be all, let's go out to the middle of the fucking do the, the, the state line the and go to a burger place. <laughs> Why the fuck would she ever say that? So I'm thinking, is he just making all this stuff yeah, up in his yeah. mind? Oh, maybe. So is he? Is Anna Kendrick? Is he saying Anna Kendrick basically goes, "Do you want to go home and have sex?" More or less, and he's all, "Oh, let's go somewhere else instead." And drives her out to the, you know, and she's all cool with it. And like you're thinking, is really is is this dialogue real or is this dialogue in his mind? I I think I think Anna Kendrick's about mental as well, so you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) It's an interesting watch. It's good. I'm gonna give it a go. Uh, Harry, what have you watched this week? I watched Demolition Man. Oh Oh, yeah! Oh yes! Old classic. Wesley Snipes had his blondest. (laughs) 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 I read he actually hated that haircut. Really? Hi. You see, as soon as the film was finished, he shaved his whole head. But I mean, it, it's it's classic. It's classic nineties Stallone. Like uh, it is. It's it's Stallone's equivalent to Commando. Aye, it's, it's not as good as Commando. No, it's not. As, it's not as like there's Commando. Commando's amazing. But he still has a, a similar name. The way Arnie had John Matrix. What a name. His What's name is John Spartan. <laughs> John Spartan. <laughs> John Spartan. Um, what, Snipes is uh, Simon, Simon Phoenix. Phoenix. <laughs> John Spartan. Why is it like John Simon, the most like common like si- common names, and then the second names are like Spartan. <laughs> 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 Explosion. <laughs> <laughs> There's so, so many references to other films. Simon Abattoir. October 4. In the future, you see a wee poster for Lethal Weapon 2 in the background. And then there's that, that. That's probably just they were shooting in LA or something, <laughs> and it just was out at the time. They, or were, they were shooting in LA. And, <gasps> then, and then they were. I Shit, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, a film being made in Hollywood. <laughs> oh my god! But there's, ma- there's mention of Star Wars and Rambo. Oh, oh fuck! And they're textual as well. <laughs> I've never read this much on the fucking Demolition Man. I I had to read. Wait, watch it last night. Wait, where where do you stand on the theory that Sandra Bullock is his daughter? No. <laughs> so so he has, sorry, has sex so, with. I've daughter. never seen Demolition Man. No, Can I, I get a brief kind of... Mickey or Harry, Harry, describe what happens in Demolition Man. I haven't seen it before, so... You haven't seen Demolition Man? Okay. Um, I have it on VHS. Basically, so... I need to know where Sandra Bullock stands in this whole scenario. Right. No, <laughs> I don't believe that. Okay, so, Sylvester Stallone's this cop in kind of the like, late 90s. It was made in 93, and the, he, this, it starts off in 1996, where he's this cop, you know, and all the gangs have kind of taken over Los Angeles. And then fucking gangs. Oh, sorry. Gang <laughs> bitches. And then he caught um Simon Phoenix blows up this fucking building and then or no, fucking uh, Stallone actually causes causes him to do it. Um C four blows up the whole building and he's Stallone's accused of manslaughter because he failed to save all these hostages. So he's frozen. <laughs> he's put in cryo jail. <laughs> Oh, because it's like sci-fi. Then, the like, it's three it's years in the future. You. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. This is 1996 we're talking about. <laughs> they didn't have that shit then. No, no. That's set, uh, One of those 95 it just came out. <laughs> <laughs> well, fucking is... Uh, it was made in 93. It was, 
Oh, fuck. Wonders 93. I know, but it, no, Wonders 93 wouldn't even out. No, but it's set Wonders in 96. 96. Set in 96. Five Aye, that's what he's saying. In the context of the film. Ah, okay. Is, uh, is it not <laughs> fucking Escape from New York, though? It's set in 1997. It's fucking <laughs> America, Absolutely. It's even like, it's fucking, like, one of the most famous ones. Look at fucking Back to the Future, Back to the Future 2. That was set last year, 2015. Yeah. They really overestimated how far we would have came in that amount of time. No, but did you see some of us all, like, it was just a wee short gift, but it was all... The future is here, and it's someone like outside of like DeLorean, but it's like you know you can actually drive it around, and have a DeLorean. They're on their hoverboard. You know those like they've got two wheels, and you can go backward yeah. and forward. Right, that, and they've got a dr- they're flying a drone, and they're holding like a selfie stick, making a video, and they just fall into the car, and it fucking they just get, break their arm <laughs> or something. <laughs> We're not ready for the future. <laughs> By the way, you know the way Harry was saying, they're now those kind of stock action hero names like John Matrix and. John Spartan. 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 Why are they always John? Can we can we bring? Because I mean, like, it seems like that's kind of going makes them an everyman. Obviously, they're trying to make action John Doe. more realistic. Can we drag the action phone back under the eighties, kicking and screaming? Can we just write? Because obviously, handjob Kevin, that's been put on ice. But can we know you like Mike? No, but have you never heard of handjob Kevin? Of, no, I did, but I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> handjob Kevin's been pulled on ice, so let's start our new project, which we kind of come up with ideas for handjob Kevin because we don't quite know where to take it at the minute. Let's come up with like an action hero, 80s esque action film. They could be called like Jack Abattoir or something like that. There, Jack let's do it. Abattoir. Or no, can we, can we come up with a name for like an 80s action like movie? Film? It would factory? still have to be John. No, it could be Jack. Jack what does, what well. is Abattoir? Like, it's a slaughterhouse. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, it's good, isn't it? Yeah. Come on, come up, come up with an eighties action film hero look name. Look John at... Fridge Freezer. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work, Mickey. Look at John Fridge in the bathroom. His name's like John Kabransky or something. Ah, but that's grand. That could be a name. You, you know me. He could be from me. Come on, Cobretti. Aye. Cobra's fucking no, I, so bad. I think it's Cobretti. No, because Heron brought up before because. It's kind of because uh, Stallone was going to do Beverly Hills Cop and he wanted the character to be called Cobra Day so everybody could call him Cobra. <laughs> <laughs> now, the antithesis of the uh, John Matrixes and the fucking John Spartans of this world is uh, Harrison Ford's character in Witness, which is way more strapped down, non-action sort of cop who has to save a young Amish boy and his name is John Book. <laughs> John Book? <laughs> What's, what's the most boring name we can go John Book. I, I rewatched it this week. I haven't watched it. Is that even a last name? I know what I thought too. And you know what the best thing is? It's actually a really well made film. Peter Weir, very, very underrated director. Really well fucking it's just a really good set man as well. The fact that it kinda ticks the crime thriller under the, the Amish community. Really, really interesting. But that's the only thing that ever stuck out about that film. The man's name is John Book, like <laughs> Mr. Book. It just it doesn't work whatsoever. Is that Harrison Ford's character's name. Harrison Ford, also his only ever Oscar nomination for playing yeah. that role. Boom. It's cracking shoes. You should definitely watch it in 1985. Seen it. Seen it. Have you seen Glo- Witness? Danny Glover. Danny Glover's the bad cop in it. Oh. That's right. That's Spiders. <laughs> nah, and he found that after like fucking eight or nine minutes. I haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most uh, debated theories on this is the three seashells. You, you mean you don't know how to use the three seashells? <laughs> Rob, Rob Schneider. Oh, he is just a comic relief in that film. Uh, well, no the comic, the, the term comics used lately there because he's net funny. Anyway, right, continue. go. <laughs> three <laughs> three seashell theory. Go ahead, Harry. I actually looked this up and it's on IMDb. Stallone. Must be true. Um, Stallone wrote it himself. <laughs> what, he actually, what the three seashells are used for. So two of them are to be held like chopsticks. 
But he holds seashell like a giant. So, how do you hold chapstick? With there, first of all, what kind of seashells? Like, uh, like just like a clam or something. Just like those right. ones the, are the, like the like, long ones. No, like yeah. those classic seashells. Yeah, I got it. The she-shell ones that are sold. This on is turned into like a seashells. Seashells on the sea. There's three seashell, three seashells of different sizes. Let the man finish. And this is how they wipe their hole. Right, sorry, sorry. No, I'm just curious. So the, the theory, uh, so Stone just went and said, you take two of them and you use them as chopsticks and you grab the shite as it's coming out your hole. <laughs> you, you use the third, and then you use the third seashell to scrape all the shite that's on your hole. Chopsticks. But there why are you cat? Why are you catching the shit? Like, the shit goes down the toilet, that's fine. That that bit we know gravity does <laughs> like it, there, there, there doesn't need to be any intervention for that section of it. Stallone, can you email I, us? I, 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 I could I could minimize this down to one seashell then, just a seashell to wipe your holes. You don't need to pick up the shit with two different sized seashells. Ask or not, Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> no one could say seashells. 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 Stallone doesn't doesn't know how to use them in the film, so. He goes up to the swearing machine that gives you out a, a fine every time you say something bad. And he starts, you know, cursing like a sailor. Fuck. Balls. So sorry, you're only allowed to swear if you go up to this machine? No, 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 uh, no you'll, you'll get a ticket anywhere. They're everywhere. Oh, is it uh, like Big if, Brother-esque? They know yeah, what you're this doing. Is a, this right. is a future where everything... Well, he's constantly in a police station as uh, well. So everybody, <laughs> this is the kind of phrases they use, you know... Mellow greetings, and then whenever, whenever he's sitting in Taco Bell, whenever they're sitting in Taco Bell, he does say, "Enjoy your meal." It's enjoy, enjoy your meal, enjoy, enjoy your meal, sir. Mellow and, greetings. And, and the way Wesley Snipes is a complete psychopath on it, and he's in, he goes into the museum where they have all these old guns. Ah, oh, this bit's bad. And, and this, uh, one of the staff at the museum just goes. Mellow greetings, sir. What seems to be your boggle? That's <laughs> <laughs> 90s chat, turn up to 11. Like that. <laughs> and just well, as he snipes, just go, My boggle. <laughs> and he just grabs a guy and just smashes him into the glass. Alright, so Demolition Man, uh, overall. Out of five? I would give it four. Ooh, just, solid. Just something because it's a great action movie. It really is. It's a good hangover film. It as well. sounds really funny. And like... Sylvester Stallone fucks his daughter in it. <laughs> well, that's only your theory. Oh no! Wait, I didn't no. get to the part where do, right. where does she fit in? Like, well, all oh, right. Essentially, Sandra Bullock is partnered up with Sylvester Stallone, like because he's a cop. Do they know each other? No, like she's from the future. He's he's been taken from nineteen nineteen sixty twenty thirty two or whatever. So no, just there's there's kind of subtle things the whole way through the film about like she didn't know her dad (laughs) 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 like she didn't know her dad and stuff like that. And there's different things in the film, and there you can read about it more if you just Google did Sly Sloan fuck his daughter, but (laughs) don't Google that. (laughs) I'm googling that. (laughs) But uh, I know there's just a theory out there that she she's his daughter and they fuck in the the film, but they don't actually fuck. (laughs) Because uh, you're offending Harry right now. <laughs> you're ruining this film. No, you, it's more enjoyable. You, you you'll look for the clues. Sylvester Stallone fucks his daughter. Don't you like incest? No, but they don't. They don't actually fuck it. Like they they have fake head sex. What? You you put on a thing on your head and then you have. Oh, because you're not allowed. Right. You're not allowed to touch. 
um, she asks him for sex. It's a face that Stallone puts on him while he's going, with you? You? No? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. He goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> Harry, don't do facial jokes on a fucking podcast. I don't Nobody know. Can know but, and then she's going, um, he's going, do you know what sex is? Yeah, the boning, the wild mamba. <laughs> <laughs> He's going, do you know what sex leads to? Yeah, kids smoking, a desire to raid the fridge. <laughs> so <laughs> you wrote that script? <laughs> still in this it. film, right, you put on a headset and have sex. Yeah. It's like yeah. Bert, but it's Bert shit. Bert. I'm right. So I don't know. I, I had a flatmate at uni who I genuinely thought had a very, very, I don't think it was a very good idea, but he thought it was a good business idea. Um, You know, Freshers Week where people have a, a lot of sex with people that maybe they don't find that attractive. And or he, no, whatsoever. So I'm going to replace his name Wait, with no, Beep. Wait, no, what? <laughs> so uh, oh, he, he, he called him Beep's Pleasure Bags. And it was a brown <laughs> plastic bag with like an attractive face that you put on someone's head. Oh, oh I've, I've seen those. Right. So I used to think he, in, he invented this. He invented it. But... No, I think he just watched this film. <laughs> <laughs> Puts another spin on the term demolition man right on the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for the porno version, Demolish they didn't actually that. change it. <laughs> Ruined that. <laughs> so that that's, that's what Stone says, because like, he, he stops having the fake head sex because he doesn't like it. And then like he goes to like, kiss Sandra Bullock or something. He's like, I'm doing the old-fashioned way, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and then he calls her, he calls her baby because it's his baby. And oh, well, I don't know if that's the exact quote. Like, I'm <laughs> so four out of five, Harry? Four out of five. Seven. Bang. The only, I took away one point because of the, the kind of the boy. He's kind of a secondary antagonist in it. He's like, he's the one who's created that kind of peaceful society. And he's a fucking great ba- slick at these bastards. Oh, the, the, the older boy? The, uh, the, the one with the white hair? And the white robes. The boy that brings Phoenix back, basically. But uh, isn't it good if you dislike him? Yeah, you, yeah, you're kind of feeling point. something, so that's not uh, good. So True. maybe it should be a five star, Harry, if that's the only reason you took a star away. Well, the incest takes away a star for his autumn. Don't be talking about this incest. <laughs> <laughs> Sandra <laughs> and Stallone. <laughs> up so a what? tree. Find each other attractive. They're not. Father and daughter. I don't think that was going through the writer's head, but well, maybe maybe it was no, just in him. Don't believe it. <laughs> it's a subconscious Har- you thing. You know what? Harry's not having this whatsoever. No. So basically, right? You not fuck Sandra Bullock if she was your sister. <laughs> <laughs> so, Demolition Man was four out of five. You added one then because you realised that you didn't like the secondary antagonist, but then you took one away for the incest, so it stays at four out of five. For you. Yeah. Bang. So Shama, did you watch this week? I watched uh, Joy, uh, which is well. Oh. Uh, uh, have you watched it? <laughs> no. Well, that's I'm exa- just prejudging the film. Yeah, exactly my opinion on it. Uh, very ironic title because it's not a Joy whatsoever. Uh, uh-huh. Oh, you like that one there? No, nah, not really. Nah, it was pretty I, shit. Like one. I thought I should give you credit. For <laughs> <it>. <laughs> uh, David O. Selznick, obviously just been released. It's Jennifer Dave, Lawrence. David O. Selznick. Yeah. Who's that? He directed Joy. He done like the fighter and who David O. Russell. David. Oh, Jesus, I'm thinking of David O. Sells like the fucking 
the, the really famous Hollywood producer from the forties. Ah, sorry, David O. Russell, not David O. Selznick. At, at least, at least that is an actual person, and you just didn't pull <laughs> Selznick out your fucking hole. <laughs> no, no. David O. Selznick was like he produced fucking Gomel and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, David O. Russell. Sorry, my mind just went there. I love when I called you, <laughs> and you're all, "Hey, obviously David O. Selznick." <laughs> <laughs> sorry, David O. Russell, who's done Silver Linings Playbook, uh, American Hustle, The Fighter. He's had a lot of hits recently, and I think this is the first time that he's kind of misfired, maybe a, a couple of years. It's sort of like a semi-biographical film about a woman called, I think her name is Joy Marciano, who created this map and stacks all her stuff back in like the early 90s and put them on QVC, and she made like a fortune. Uh, but the whole film, and it says this in like a wee title at the start, is supposed to be about not just her, but strong women everywhere. Every yes, Kiva's flexing here. Strong women who you know <laughs> who've existed since the dawn of time. And considering he puts it out there for you know this strong woman character, and he's he's looking at basically females, you know, creating their own destiny and stuff like that. There, it it just doesn't work. It, the first half of the film, when we kind of see uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character Joy growing up, it kind of comes across as a TV movie. The dialogue doesn't really land. The performances are all about one note. And it's at this part of the film where I don't think that David O'Russell can kind of decide what he wants the film to be. And he doesn't really know where he wants to take the film. And that has kind of repercussions then later on in the film, which I'll kind of talk about in a minute. But uh, the performances are alright. Jennifer Lawrence is good. She's not outstanding. I think she's limited by the role itself because, first of all, David Russell doesn't really know what she wants. he wants her to be and there's just not a way left her to sink her teeth on the. De Niro's good, but it's a glorified cameo. I mean, he, he plays her father, by the way, but there's a bit of back and forth with him and her uh, ex-husband who lives in the basement, which is, again, one of these things that is just kind of there. You know, is, I, that, is that the boy he plays the new Bodhi? In yes, Bodhi? I cannot remember Happy his or name. Something? Yeah, I only, I I only name. know him from, have you ever seen a film called Domino with Kira Knightley? Yes. yes. He's in that film. That's, that's how I know him. Yeah. But like the interaction between him and De Niro is pretty good, but then it's too few and far between. And that's the only time that the, the script kind of, you would say, sparkles in the first like 20 minutes, half an hour. That's surprising because from the trailer, it seemed like De Niro w- would be in it a lot. Nah, because because like he they they had Bradley Cooper in the trailer as yeah. well, but you could kind of tell that was a small part because anything you see seen of him, it was kind of always it looked like the same scene or whatever. He was in it a lot, but I mean for no more than like twenty oh, seconds. Oh, have, have you seen it as well, Kevin? Oh yeah, oh Bradley yeah. good stuff. Well, you kind of get where I'm coming from. Uh, the thing, right? And this is. So what's supposed to be the main crux of the film is the fact that Joy then goes on to create this sort of magic map and she makes her fortune on QVC and stuff like that. But because David Russell doesn't really put enough emphasis on her wanting to create things and be an inventor when she's young, when she actually creates this map, it's it's not yeah. satisfying narratively because it's not like you're seeing her kind of reap the rewards of years of hard work and years of being an inventor it just seems like she's just created this mop out of nowhere and she's made a success of it and if anything you're like oh what the fuck she's made a fortune she hasn't even really tried All right, it so so i kind of think so when you're saying about the childhood thing the only thing the only thing that he does is show that she like cuts things out Aye. of paper and creates them and then you have the the voiceover of the grandmother and whose grandmother doesn't believe that, that their grandchild can't do everything exactly. in the world? And My- and I agree with you <laughs> there that the uh, 
you know, yeah, maybe in her head the whole time she's been thinking up ideas. But it's not enhanced. It's not shown. It's, it's not, not shown. shown. So then when she she thinks she, it looks like she just kind of gave up for 20 years and then decided to Precisely. do shit that's again. Exactly. I mean, you know? it just seemed like this one random act where she creates this kind of map that's way better than all her maps and then all of a sudden she's made her fortune and it doesn't have the impact that it should have. And then... It happens again when she actually, and it's not a spoiler because it happens like halfway through a film, she makes her fortune and then loses her fortune, but you don't feel anything. When she makes her fortune and when she loses it, I mean, obviously that's... I did feel something though. I, 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 don't I felt anger toward her family for like fucking dissing her. Like I was all, shit man, like she literally let you all live in her house. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you get that, but I'm saying the main narrative crux of her actually trying to be an inventor oh, and, like, that, herself sorry, and, yeah. and being and being a strong woman, it, it doesn't really have the payoff because, like I was saying, it just seems like this was, like, a kind of light bulb moment where she's, you know, invented this map and then when she loses everything, you're like, I don't really give a shit. You should have left off the ad lib at the start that kind of, this is about strong women. Like, uh, that, you know, why why put that there? Like, But even, even at that, I mean, even without that sort of strong woman tag at the start of the film, I just don't think that that script was ever good enough to be a feature-length film no. because... The stakes aren't that high. It's not really focused enough. And it's just very mundane and very sort of fucking lifeless. Well, which is well, surprising because David o. Russell has been able to mine really good drama out of these small sort of low-key settings and like Silver Linen's playbook and even like The Fighter and stuff like that. But here it just misfires. And I think it is all down to the actual script itself because it's just not very exciting. Because... As you're saying, there's not too much at stake, right? See, it, it, it. There's pinnacle points where maybe she's put her hop, her house up for remortgage, or like, you know, there's a lot at stake for her. But you, it's you, right. You don't feel it because you, feel you know that you have. She has people to buy her out, people to like sort her out, and yeah. uh, it. It seems like you're right, like a TV drama. Like it's coming down to arguments between the family, exactly, where yeah. it shouldn't shouldn't you know it's it's sort of it's it's strange as well because i think it's it's not so much with the script but obviously you know bad scripts are going to kind of give you bad characters and i wouldn't i wouldn't say it's a bad character you know some of the time i think basically jennifer lawrence loves that character the hair than what it should be you know that character is more than a sum of its parts because of jennifer lawrence's plus i would buy that mob this is my question what's Special with the mop. It's one of them twist right. mops on the, and so, then the attachment. So shit. before before this mop was ever invented, it was like a mop on an iron. It was like an iron pole with a mop head at the bottom. That to ring it out, you had to lift it over the sink and use your hand to ring yeah. it out. Dirty. Does it have glass in it? You're gonna cut your hand. Yeah. You be careful. Rinse it out. Waste water. You have to pay for water. Not here, but there. But you know. Yeah. So she had this idea to make it out of plastic and then it's all kind of self-contained that it has these wee Making knobs some, that you some suggestive you twist <laughs> your hands here. You, you twist the knob <laughs> and pull it down <laughs> and the water seeps out. <laughs> Basically, uh, you don't have to touch the mop. It's a good invention. It's a fucking really good invention okay. for the time, but... Yeah, does it deserve a Is it a film? film? Yeah, I mean, is it a film? I really don't think it's... Well, I, I, it is literally QVC, the movie. You know, I mean, that, that's exactly what it is. Like, it's got she, your own rivers in it, yeah, I'm just saying. Just, and she sells her stuff on QVC, but then 
Uh, but I mean, you're. I think Jennifer Lawrence does bring a lot to that no, role. Uh, well, that's exactly what I was saying. I think of the but character. As it should it be a yeah. role? The you, character you think itself. She she does her best with, but there's not enough there. Aye, exactly. She does yeah, her best with, but it. there's not enough there. Like I said at the start, there's not enough meat for her to sink her teeth on the in regards to that role. You know, it's a very kind of stock character who's invented song, and even at that, I think Russell fails because, like we says, you know, when she actually does invent song, it's not like this is like the the, the culmination of a life's work. It's just like, you know, she clicked her finger, she's made son, and then it's just really jarring because it seems like when she actually comes to invent the map, the first 40 minutes are kind of completely irrelevant to her inventing that map. It skips from her, like, her inventive, creative childhood to her adult life, and maybe he did that, maybe he did it intentionally, you know, some people just get caught up in life, but I think that is not, like, the story should be about her progression toward there not just i was inventive then i invented something like what happened in between i think as well where russell missteps too is that because he's so unsure what he wants the film to be at the start and maybe it was down to the fact that he didn't really know what he wanted the film to be in general but at the start he tries to introduce all these kind of kooky characters that the husband lived in the basement and Bradley Cooper's about cooky and the boy who runs the studio's about cooky is that or or dad's about that kid and his girlfriend who's played by Isabella Rossellini, she's a but she's like a kind of millionaire who invests in her. She's good. Though. She's she's about cookie, but it's like introducing all these cookie characters. Most of them don't. Most of them don't strike whatsoever. Most of them are just kind of. It's almost like they're trying to be cookie, and then not only are they trying to be cookie and it's not working, which kind of dilutes the film, but then it dilutes the focus on Jennifer Lawrence's character, and the film's name Joanne. It's about her life. It should be about her. So you can she's like an afterthought sometimes, which I've, I thought I've just had a thought. As you've just said, that she is an afterthought. Is is the idea of the film her being an afterthought when she tries these things and people ignore her? Is she an afterthought? Are all these characters there to maybe take you away from her? But she's a sen- like. I think it's a pretty abstract idea. I'm, re- but it's, I'm it's, reaching. It's a hard. It's it's a hard shell for a studio yeah. film that's got Jennifer Lawrence in the lead role and it's named Joy and it's about her life. Like you know what I mean? I think. <laughs> it's, it's, I think like. It, 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 I we're going to do all these things, but it's not about. It's her. not. About <laughs> I think that would be a very interesting idea. I just, and, I just like to kind of. I devil's advocate. I like between, it. I like it. Know. But I mean, pretty thin. It's just, you know what? It's just a lifeless, mundane film that is only slightly elevated by the fact that De Niro's funny in like the fucking three scenes that he's in, and Jennifer Lawrence is is pretty good with a character that probably shouldn't even been committed to a feature film. To be so, fair, sorry. To be fair, I only watched it to the end. To make sure she made her fucking money off that map, because <laughs> I thought she better make her money off that fucking map. Yeah, but that's, you know, and then that's is that. There's another gripe yeah. at the end. I'm not even. I won't actually speak about that. But then when she kind of be triumphant at the end, and all of a sudden this is just a major plot hole that everybody kind of brush over. But where did she get all that information? You know what I mean? Who gave her that information for her to be? Tra- it's just. It's a very poorly written script. And it's just a very, it's not, it's a very mediocre film. She found a briefcase buried in the snow mm. with stacks of information. Does that mean we're getting Joy 2 now, the sequel? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, we're just so, skipping the Joy 20 <laughs> in, in the essence of the original one. <laughs> Skip all the middle of it. So, definitely worth the Oscar nomination then, <laughs> Jen. That's what I was actually going to say too. I mean, that's on the kind Jennifer of Jennifer Lawrence is nominated for best best actress. actress. That's on the kind of great me as well. Well, I it? think she has she does act well in it. 
Definitely. She does. She does like Will, but then it's just. Is that this the wine from two weeks ago, or is yeah, this a new bottle? I love it. No, no, it's a new bottle. But <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it's like, has this been sat in here for two weeks? No, geez, we drank okay. that. Rackle. Oh, well, it's Rackle, but oh, I forgot they changed the name. It's ju- just one thing about Jennifer Lawrence's uh, best actress nomination too. I think it's that sort of standard politicking thing too when it comes to Oscar nominations or any sort of uh, award circuit nominations in general. The fact that she is the youngest best actress winner ever and she is the actual absolute golden girl of Hollywood now. Yeah. I think that is maybe one of the main reasons why she got that nomination because I do think that there was definitely because I do think that there's way way better performances this year by female ac- female actresses by actresses who could have slotted in there but because she's Jennifer Lawrence and because she's got a good track record I mean like even I thought it was a fucking joke was it last year two years ago where she got nominated for best supporting actress for American Hustle I have a, yeah, I have a question that's a fucking joke like, you know I have what a mean? question like, do she was good on it though she's good but it's not Oscar and this yeah. is an Oscar no that's what I mean like well, American Hustle in general is a bit of a joke. Yeah. So I that, don't really like it. That is my question, right? So say you act amazingly in a really shit film. Could you be up for an Oscar? Yeah, Even if that film is complete shit yeah, and the film is enough for it? Big time. I mean, like, if you're... If if you have a fucking outstanding performance, I wouldn't say it's a shit film, but you look at even like... No, but I'm not I'm not no, saying no, but that. I'm, no, I'm, saying but that, I'm, I'm posing it. Right, yeah, I okay. mean, like... Lincoln by Spielberg is a very, very standard, at times drab, sort of historical drama. But the main standout thing is the fact that Daniel Day-Lewis is actually Lincoln in it. I mean, even though people don't He's know... He's actually he, Lincoln. No, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> even though people don't know how Lincoln sounded or how Lincoln kind of moved, it just seems like it's him. It's, it's everybody's sort of idea what he is. And that performance just kind of elevates that film so much and he he won the oscar for like you know what i mean but i mean like this is only one example but that in itself with any other actor would have been very drab and i mean like it's it's literally what fucking a couple of men sitting inside a courthouse arguing about like a, a bullet's that's about to pass so it's it's gonna be a kind of hard sell anyway so i definitely yeah, you can be yeah, in a pretty you can be in a pretty mediocre film but have a really standard performance and be oscar nominated and even possibly well, win the oscar well even look at this year like michael fassbender's nominated for steve jobs and that kind of had mixed reviews mm-hmm. But everybody can agree it was a great performance he gave. Yeah. Cool. All right. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Speaking of Oscar nominations. (laughs) (laughs) They're racist. As as he Um, twists his beard. (laughs) Oh, sorry. First, we shall go into... Pretty efficient streamlined business topics there. Yeah. Just need to get on this Oscar shit. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, yeah. So the like the Oscar nominations came out, and is it all all the all the actors up are white or mostly white? All twenty of the best supporting actor, best best supporting actor, best actor, best actress, best supporting actress are all white. Yes. Are they all white from from the same country or? For- they're just all white. <laughs> yeah, they're, just, oh. they're all Caucasian. Oh. So, yeah, there's... there's they're just... not all, like, American. No, they're no. not all... In... Sure. Right. Right. Yeah, and Saoirse Ronan. Yeah. Two Irish oh, people in there. Saoirse Bang! Saoirse. Represent! <laughs> she also pronounced my name Quifa. Fuck you, Saoirse. <laughs> Her name? <laughs> yeah. Did you mean it? That is how you pronounce it, though. If you're from Cork. But if... Where's Saoirse Ronan from? I don't know, but Dublin. she was on, She's like, a... Some show and they were showing her cue cards. They pronounce Irish names and Kiva, my name, Kiva, as I said from the north. Well, she, <laughs> she, she pronounced it Kiva. She met her in person and she said, "Hello, Kiva. Would you correct her?" Would you yes. Know? Would you fucking right? So yeah. many people call me Sean. I correct them every single time. No, Kiva, no, Kiva. But it's a pronunciation difference. Like I don't know if any of you guys ever learned Irish or Gaelic at school. It's there's a pronunciation difference that I don't know apply to my name. I don't want my name to sound like a a vagina, <laughs> a vagina fart. <laughs> Kiva, who the fuck? If you ever meet Saoirse Ronan, you just be all, all right, Saucy. Hi, Saucy. Oh, you're from Ireland. You should know. And I'll be like, aye, Quifa. Quifa, the corner. Stand up for the Irish identity. Her name means fucking freedom in English. Like, you know, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Mine means fanny fart. <laughs> if you wanted to know. <laughs> Mine's is very mundane and just means John. <laughs> John! My name is John. The 80s film is Shan. It has to be Shan. What? It has to be Irish. Mine, you were talking about 80s. Like 80s throwback films. No, but it's not John. Is Shan, but they're all John. It's Shan. Shan Abbott. Has to be. Shan Abbott. Shan Matrix. Has to be. Shan Spartan. Shan Spartan. Shan Abbott. Right, so Oscar for Racist. <laughs> <laughs> that derailed so quickly. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, yeah, so there's just been a whole thing about all, all the actors up for nominations are white. And so people are saying there's a lack of diversity mm-hmm. and the Oscars are, I, I don't know if anyone fully came out and said racist, but like lack of diversity and just. Which the, is another term for being racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like even like some people are saying they're going to like boycott it. Like uh, I think Spike Lee, well Spike Lee never actually came out and well, said Spike boycott. Spike Lee would boycott fucking anything. No, but th- he never actually came out and said Spike boycott. I think, was, I think it was uh, <laughs> Jada Pickett Smith was the first one. Will Smith said today too, he's not right, saying, but obviously like. Aye. Well, maybe if he got nominated, he would like. <laughs> Wait, what? What were they in this year that they could? He been? was in concussion, which that tell is, the truth. <laughs> that is one of the. That's one of the glaring examples of like. It. It's he's basically he plays a, a doctor who is kind of specializing in head injuries of NFL players. And he, and he, he, he no wonder he, I didn't see it. That's <laughs> what who it actually, cares it actually about looked NFL pretty players? It's though. actually not a bad film. I'm, haven't seen it, haven't heard of it. Yeah, it kind of flew under the radar during the I know, Oscar. I don't even think it came out here. I think it's... it's That's exactly... Well, it didn't come like, out just, in this country? Like just like what? we were talking there now, I mean, that's a perfect example of, well, someone who was kind of toddlers getting the nomination for a film that's just kind of all right. It's not an amazing film, it's all right, but his performance kind of stands out. But the three that they're kind of focusing on uh, this year, 
for like basically uh black actors because the, 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 all all three are, are black so it's not like there's no asian actors who were in kind of contention or whatever this year for their performances but it was uh, michael b jordan for creed who was very good it was Idris Elba for Beast in Nation, which was very good. And then there that was... That was the Netflix... Sorry, that was the Netflix, Netflix, Netflix one. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was uh, Will Smith for Concussion, who again was, was very good. Like, this is the argument this year, and this is my kind of take on things about like the Oscars or the Academy maybe not being diverse enough. 100% they're not diverse enough, okay? That is without a doubt. I think there's... I, wouldn't I, quite I, heard, I heard a terrifying statistic that like the like the actual Academy's like 6,000, 7,000 members and like... Yeah. And, like 93% of them are white male yeah. and over 60. Oh, yeah. yeah. Don't give me, this, this is exactly where I'm what going. The... I wouldn't quite are these know... the people who like decide who wins? Yeah, they yeah. vote on it, yeah. I would, what? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like that. How do, how, how do you, What? No, I'm sorry. I there didn't even the, know there was like a. That's the Academy. It's the I... Academy Awards. They are the academy. Who did you think the side of the Oscars? You just thought it was thing. Oscars in a room. For <laughs> I just thought like people voted. She thought it was like a public vote, like next. <laughs> I'm not joking. I really does. No, that's I, that's, I really that's the MTV did. Awards. Is probably I'm sorry. I'm I'm low bro. I'm not in your fucking big racist academy. <laughs> that's I'm how, I'm shocked. I actually am shocked. That's what I was going to get on the is that. I wouldn't quite go as far as saying like there's an institutionalized racism in there, but that statistic you just read out just says it all. The fact that 93% are over 60, they're white males, they're completely out of touch. How do you get into the academy? Yeah, basically, just, just be a big wig around Hollywood and kind of exactly. do a lot of work. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's all about money, too. Like, that's exactly how people get on. But, like. <laughs> I'm boycotting it now, too. <laughs> You're boycotting it as well. I'm not even black and I'm boycotting it. <laughs> you don't have to be black, they boycott it. <laughs> you just gotta be poor. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It's like. I'm not joking. <laughs> <laughs> the academy, uh, obviously, is really out of touch. I've always said it for a long time that not even in regards to maybe not nominating people of all races who are fucking not white, but even in their choice of like films that get nominated, they always go for the kind of standard, as it's called now, Oscar bit. Historical dramas about important people, usually important white people, who kind of have made a difference in the world. Whereas, you know, there's been a couple of years where they had a chance, I think back in 2010 or maybe 2009, to give the social network best picture and they didn't and that's always one that was kind of stuck with me i personally thought it was the best picture that year who, who won that year i think it might have been the hurt locker Probably you're gonna have to check that yeah. you're gonna have to check Two, that 2010 don't get me wrong 2000 i mean like it was it was it was a great year and stuff i got for i'm sorry my mind's just being blown right now it's yeah like but it's like i think that it's quite did it because they have a certain sort of film that they want they won they have a certain sort of film that they want to be nominated and it's not the sort of film that everybody loves or everybody likes. It's become such a cliche now of an Oscar bit film that even your casual viewer will be able to pinpoint a film that will be nominated or even will be able to pinpoint the sort of film that will get all these kudos or all these awards. And I think that kind of then seeps on the what actors get nominated. This year, for me, don't get me wrong, Michael B. Jordan, Idris Elba, Will Smith, all possibly deserve acting nominations i do think that all the people in the best actor nominations are are, are pretty right i think that's right uh, can you can you just relay them back to me because i'm not sure who who's in there the, uh, here uh, or do you know them brian cranston for trumbo trumbo it is obviously leonardo DiCaprio for the revenant it's steve uh, steve jobs getting nominated sorry it's michael fassman <laughs> there for steve jobs but he was so much like steve jobs <laughs> i'm just gonna call him steve jobs it's eddie redmayne for the danish girl 
and who's the other one? Matty Damon for The Martian. Uh, well, actually, you know what? I'll take that back because Matt Damon could have possibly been second out and you definitely could have... Maybe, I don't think Will Smith's performance is Oscar-worthy, but you definitely could have Michael B. Jordan in there, who I think is just as good as Matt Damon. I then in Best Supporting Actor, I think it's a disgrace that Idris Elba wasn't pulling for Best Supporting Actor, especially when they have... As a Christian Bale is, for the is big short, he's the uh, best supporting. Yeah, Christian Bale. Yeah, Christian Bale for the big short. Christian Bale's really funny in that film, but Christian Bale is in that film for I would say collectively about twenty minutes, whereas Idris Elba gives everything, everything. in *Beast of No Nation*, and it's so. That's muscle. the guy who plays Luther, right? Yeah, that's yeah. him. It's Luther, so, I'm a fucking copper, mate. But it's so in your face, and I do think that this year is they a should very, have traded them. It's like, a very definitely. glaring example of maybe. Again, I don't want to say institutionalized racism, but again, this whole lack of diversity fucking thing is just an R word for that. The the King's Speech beat the social network. The, that's what it was. Actually, that's an even more glaring example because the King's Speech is the ultimate Oscar bit film. Don't yeah. get me wrong. The King's Speech, cracking film, but what did I say before? It's a historical drama about an important white man. Say nothing. It's got hell in a bother, Carter. <laughs> 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 but like, you know what I mean? It's a great, but I don't think, I think you've seen so many films like that before who have won Honestly, give it to the social network in two thousand and ten, which is a, you know, it's actually a film about a major change that's happened in the modern world. Fair enough, it's about the creation of Facebook, but Facebook completely changed who basically everybody in the fucking world loves. Not only that, there, but don't just give it that because of what its narrative is about Facebook. It actually was so well constructed because yeah. everybody thought that it was going to be a film about Facebook, and it's actually a film about the loss of friendship and how friendships can be kind of shattered so easily through fucking greed or, or uh, sort of megalomania. You know what I mean? But it's, anyway, that's that's this generation citizen Kane. Ah, I like that. I like that. I, I film reviewer said that. <laughs> <laughs> You're a film reviewer, Mikey. Come no, on. No, I'm not. I'm a hack. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I don't even think I, I'm up there enough to even be considered a hack. <laughs> you know what oh, I mean? Jesus, what's that then? <laughs> I, I'm just a person. That's... I just a person who likes films. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I heard that there was calls for Chris Rock to boycott them. He's presenting the Oscars. Uh, yeah, he's, sure he's presenting. I I, I'd, a... I'd say I'd say he he says on about it then. Yeah, okay. although somebody made a very very good point. Obviously, Chris Rock is very on the cuff all the time. Or sorry, he's very off the cuff, and he kind of on the cuff. On the cuff, <laughs> I, yeah, that's the way they want him to be. But he's very off the cuff a lot of the times, and a lot of his humor is kind of straight to the bone. And a lot of people have says that even if he goes out and presents the Oscars next month, and the first thing he says that night is about the lack of diversity, and he kind of makes it a run joke the whole night, it still doesn't make it all right. You know what I mean? Mm. It's almost like, oh, here's... A, a lot of people have, have come out on, on Twitter, I've been reading the past couple of days too, and it's all oh, if Chris Rock actually presents it, it's almost like the token black man that they have there, where they show we're not the... You know, because it's almost like, fair enough... Well, he, no, they got him before yeah, the no, he No, he was, he was presented anyway beforehand, but it's like, that's what a lot of people are looking at us. Well, and people have narrow. Yeah, minded. a lot of people have called for him to not present that. I think that would be... I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think he shouldn't do it. But you see... My my kind of point of view, like obviously, like there's a problem. Like all of them are, all of them are white. There's a lack of diversity in there. But I think it's just it kind of more shines a light on just a lack of diversity in Hollywood in general. Yeah, because like like you you brought up three three black actors that could have been in contention to be nominated. Three, yeah. only three. Exactly, and I think it's not really the Oscars' fault. Like they can only really pick from what's there yeah but if and, you look and, at it it's I Hollywood's think, fault and, I, the, that's, and yeah. the academy plays a massive role in the Hollywood dynamic you know what I mean yeah. so it's, it still does go back to them in a way because a lot of people have pinpointed and it's still the case that 
if you're a black actor in a lot of films, the best you can hope for is to be a fucking drug dealer or to be from the ghetto or something like that there. And it's only a certain uh, grouping of black actors that can actually get the roles that a white man would get. And that's usually Will Smith or Denzel. But maybe is that because the type of films that are being made? Can you be a black actor as a drug dealer? Yes. Like in this film that's being made about white people. Yeah. But, but, but I mean, like, why, why can't you have a black actor why, as, as a doctor? You know, why can't yeah, you no, have... you can. Yeah. But I think it just goes to show the people, as Mickey said, who are making the films that... Yeah, it it, they... it, come, it comes down to... The, there, needs to there needs to be more kind of action towards actually, like, casting in films and trying to get more diversity that way and actually give them more opportunities. They people that aren't white yeah but it's, a, it's a huge problem and i mean like how does that happen because it's been a problem that's I, I, what i dislike is that it's only kind of come on the mainstream news in the past two years about this lack of diversity but it's always been it's a always problem. been it's, there. Always it's been, been a problem there. for well, fucking since adonis cinema that usually black actors get there's only a small criteria rules that they can go for unless you're denzel washington or will smith you know, yeah. like really proper A-list. Or Morgan Freeman. Or Morgan Freeman. And you can talk about Freeman. penguins. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, a, lo- a lot of people sit as well, and it just shows how deep-rooted the problem is, and I think we brought this up before, about this sort of, I don't want to keep saying systematic or institutionalized racism, but that's what it does boil down to, because if you look, and this is true, there was actually a huge article wrote about this recently, and I found it very interesting. If you have a black leading man, he will never ever get with a white woman. The oh, woman, we've talked about this. The woman, I know we have. That's what I'm saying. We brought Jessica this Jessica Jones. <laughs> aye, aye, but that's that's, that's, that's TV. That's, that's Netflix TV. TV as that's well. Netflix TV. I don't care. <laughs> that shit was hot. That, actually, that that's was something I wanted to mention as well. I think uh, Idris Elba getting nominated. I don't think that's like a race thing. I think that's more of a Netflix thing that the Academy don't really want to recognize films yeah. on. I see. Netflix. I, w- I wondered about that. Idris yeah, Elba because that's be- like that's like taking away their fucking money shit. Like, of mm. course. I see. I was wondering about the Idris Elba one because in the that was an unreal role. That was yeah. unreal. I mean, like in the actual specific criteria of uh, being nominated for an Oscar, the film has to play in L.A. For at least one week. I know they no, they they did that. that uh, was it released theatrically? It's, it's LA and New York. They have to play in one cinema. I see I wasn't sure was Beast and Nation released theatrically. Uh, they, right, they, they, they did it specifically to get qualified I'm, for that. I'm Oscar. learning every day. I'm learning every day. <laughs> but that's why I that's why I was wondering because I he, thought, well, they could easily point out of Idris Elba not getting nominated, uh, but the fact that's that's even more glaring now because I think out of the three uh Will Smith, Michael B. Jordan and Idris Elba, I think that the most deserve would have been Idris Elba. I actually think that he probably should have won it because the best supporting actor uh, category this year is actually quite weak. Uh, uh, I a lot of people are going uh, on about Mark Rylance for Better Spies. Like, what do you he, call? He's, he's really good, and Stallone's really good, and Christian Bale's really good. But I think Idris Elba gives a performance on par with DiCaprio this year in a best supporting role. Yeah, because it's really gritty and it's really just raw and human. And then Mark Ruffalo's come out. You know, he's, uh, he's, he's on about boycotting as well. He's, he's nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Spotlight. Ah, uh, yeah, please uh, He's come out and said about... Is he boycotting them or is he... I think he's, he he said something about like no, maybe he will, but... No, what he says is he's not boycotting them. He did say that there's definitely a problem within Hollywood mm. in regards to diversity, but because the film that he's nominated for is about another very pushed-aside group of people the victims he of child abuse he wants to be there for them yeah like if he wins like if he could say something exactly because obviously if he was the one he can and he was to go on speech. stage he could have a speech about yeah. them 
Because Mar- Mark Ruffalo's like that anyway. Like, he's very kind of politically minded and stuff. Oh, like yeah. definitely. Uh, if you ever see his Twitter, he's always um, yeah. mentioned about uh, climate change. Big yeah. supporter of that. He's supporting me. climate change. <laughs> <laughs> I want it to be hotter. Against. Because Mark Ruffalo just the best. Yeah, he's he's oh, I just want to give him a big hug. He seems like the best guy ever. <laughs> he's, the Hulk. he's the Hulk. Give him a big Hulk hug. <laughs> Ruin you. But anyway, uh, in regards to the diversity thing, it's definitely a problem. It's been a problem for years. What fucks me off is the fact that it's just kind of, it's almost like this hot topic now that everybody wants to get involved in. Uh, it's like, like, oh, this only happened this oh, year. I, I, oh, it's oh, been oh, happening. Enough, I, uh, black people in our races have only been ignored uh, the past two years. Now, fuck off. Like, it's always been <laughs> but uh, I don't like it at all. And but it's, it's the kind of thing as well that it's focused on, these, on the Oscar nominations. And what I was trying to point out is like, it's just all of Hollywood. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's every award show. Yeah. It's, it's every award show. It's not even the awards. It's the people who get the money to yeah. make the films it's, in it's the, the fucking first place. It's the people who put place. these award shows and it's the people who vote on these awards. That's the problem. But it's the people making the films. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's people that are in charge of casting and that do the they, they, they even, go, do they even see other people? It's just a problem in Hollywood in general. And it's yeah. just a problem with Hollywood that they still are loving in some sort of fucking pre-civil rights world that they can't trust a black or Asian or other ethnicity actor that's not white to actually tell a story because they still fucking think in this sort of 1940s studio system way that only white people can be the the voice of a film white is right exactly although in saying that if they thought casting like a black actor in in the lead of a film would make them more money they would all do it oh why it's all just about money they just see it in certain ways that like Oh, this demographic likes this kind of thing, and that's that's kind of where it stands from. It's moneyism. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there is one last point I'd like to make before we kind of close this topic, though, is that this is the biggest calls ever now, in my mind anyway, for a, like a sort of review of the lack of diversity in Hollywood, and the Academy has needed a reshuffle for fucking decades. So I'm not quite sure if it's going to happen because they've got so much power over Hollywood, but I would love to see it happen. But what I don't want to see happen is actors of all ethnicities getting nominated or getting roles just they know you placate this problem that everybody has with the yeah. lack of diversity because that's a problem in itself too. That is maybe ignoring the talent of all actors just they maybe kind of get this token performance and they don't, don't want that don't, either. Don't have like a quota of oh, 10% yes. of people need don't to be black. Don't do that because needs to be Asian that, that in a way that, that's fucking quasi-racism in itself. Like you know it's like oh we have to have oh, these I people in here. I love that word yeah. quasi. But like that's okay. fucking through it. Don't do that either. Just pick the actor with the most talent or uh, you think is most suitable I, he- that role. I heard an interesting thing it was, it was on a, a thing I was watching on YouTube but apparently in the NFL they have Is this just water? The uh, Rooney yeah, rule. The Rooney rule. Aye. Is it Rooney? Rooney. Aye. aye. The Rooney rule of when uh, they're interviewing for like new managers or new coaches, they have to have a person from a different <laughs> ethnicity. So they need to have like a black person mm-hmm. and like an Asian person or whatever. They just they interview them. They don't. It's not saying they have to hire like a black person. It's just they have to interview them. So then it's just opening it up more to just getting the p- 
people in the room so they can actually talk and see if they they can do the job. But the way I've always found the Rooney Rule, it's a disgraceful thing as well because it's almost just like, oh, look, well, you know, we did speak to, you know, like a, a, a black candidate or an Asian candidate or a fucking, you know, whatever candidate. It's a white like, candidate. Or a white, yeah, a white candidate. It's, it's almost them covering their tracks. Like, oh, look, we're, we're so diverse because, you know, at least we're accepting all these applications. But, but, from, but, uh, but, but I'm, still, I'm still hiring my uh, nephew, just so you know. <laughs> but but like from that rule like they do have more like diversity in their managers and stuff now oh yeah definitely and the so, NFL, uh, it's, it's, there's been great results in regards to it and so if you had something like that that I, I don't think it should be enforced i think like studios should like decide themselves like we're going to do this like they try and make it some kind of action that they're doing but and I just think that opens it up more because, as as you said, you can't have it as a rule. Like, as you need a quota of certain kind of actor or whatever. But again, for me, can't be a quota. It's just becoming yeah. like. Uh, but I see again for me control this whole this whole Rooney rule thing for maybe uh, you know the, the the nomination process again. That's dangerous territory because it's almost like oh well, we have to have this quota. We have to have this quota of maybe. But it's uh, just it's just auditioning them or interviewing them. But or? then you're you're starting to think then are they only looking at them because they have to. I've you know only, I mean? but it, no, but it doesn't matter. It if if it gets them in the room and they can show what they can do, you know what I mean? Like, like you want like, a chance rather than like wait, no like wait, like wait, no, but like Shan, like wait, wait, Oscar, a chance with, for just the sake. You know, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't like uh, people to be maybe coming on with a chance of a nomination because. Oh, like we have to. Oh, there's this Rooney rule on now, so we have to, you know, like look at a black performance or something like that. There, because but I think that's no, more than the it, too. No, but it's it's making them look at something that they might not but look they, at. They have to look at them anyway, and they choose to ignore it. That's no, what I'm they saying. They no, have they to look have at to. the performances. No, but yeah. they, they like not. I'm not like say with like the Oscar nominations. Like like a person isn't sitting down, you know. I'm going to vote for Matt Damon because I'm a racist. No, you know I'm I mean? not saying that. No, they, no, but that's what that's what I'm saying. Watch these. They no, but Chan, they don't. They do. They, they, it's, it's almost like a pre-rex. They, no, like, they cannot watch. Let, all these literally, films. when Twelve Years a Slave won Best Picture, two people out of the Academy said in like an article that they didn't watch the film. They just felt like that kind of film should win. And that, but that just shows again how to touch there. Aye, but that's what I'm saying. They don't watch all the films. They don't. I know they don't watch all the films, but it's just more the fact that I okay, they might have to watch a film or say performances from a, a certain ethnicity. But, but then, I'm not even saying. I'm I'm saying from if you're casting a film, you have to audition. Like a, a oh cast them I I'm all oh, right so I'm not read this okay I no I all right I, I, <laughs> no that's, that's I thought I thought you meant when they were going they actually vote for the films it's like oh we have to you know look at the this performance because it's such and such mm. you no. actually mean when it comes to the cast no but this this is what I've been saying all along it's not about they the, sort of, uh, yeah, it's not they about not the, the the awards not it's the a, problem in the boat I it's 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 it shows the problem in Hollywood, and I think I, it it can start with the casting process. And if they're just meeting other people in during the casting process and get in different ethnicities and see what they can do, it gets them in the room yeah. to have the conversation. I think you're you're definitely right, but again, I think that the problem is that deep seated in Hollywood, and because there's such a sort of a, a racial problem in America in general, I. I don't think that that would solve everything as 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 neatly as what, what is possible. I don't think it would solve everything, but I think it would be a step in the right direction. It's definitely a step in the right. It, direction. it would it would because th- like this kind of thing, it's not going to change overnight. It, it's you need to have slow progress, and anything that you can can do to move towards that is good. Yeah, no, it's definitely a step in the right. Di- uh, no, hundred percent. It's definitely a step in the right direction, but I just don't think that it would even make much of a difference. To be quite honest with you, I well, they're definitely not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, we'll move on to our next topic. Kiva. Movie posters. Ooh. All right, so I, I had the idea to talk about movie posters just because I'm so excited about the new Deadpool movie. I think it's going to be class. Um, Deadpool, I don't know if this is from their marketing team or just a lot of fan art, but there's a lot of posters that are transcending a lot of genres. I think it is their actual marketing. The the marketing in general for the Deadpool film has been amazing. It's been excellent. It's, it's, it's because been it, re- it really encapsulates what that character is all yeah. about. They, and I, the posters just That he's a mercenary that. that he'll do shit for money. Yeah. So but this think, is I the shit for money. They've tapped on the, the thing as well that Deadpool's like ultra violent but at the same time is ridiculously funny and over the top they, they've kind of tapped on the how unhinged the character is that you can't just kind of structure the marketing around a kind of standard comic book promotion you know what i mean like it's it's sweet i mean it, like the romantic comedy one that we were talking about uh, before that, we started and stuff like that's that. hilarious because it's coming out around valentine's day they <laughs> they've done like a poster that it just it's what ryan reynolds and what do you call Marina it background uh, is it what Marina background background I, it looks just like a rom-com or something. Just yeah. those two uh, smiling with like lights in the background. Or whatever. Holding hands or something. Exactly. Like and then there's, um, <laughs> there's a poster that'll make Deadpool look like it's an action movie. There's a poster that'll make Deadpool look like a comic book movie. There's a poster that'll make Deadpool look like anything. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of wanted to talk about posters yeah. and how, that they, how they work. Well, it's the main tool of marketing, like you know what I mean. It's it's a hugely important thing in cinema. So I'll let you take it off there. Hmm. Right. So how I was going to start was I'm going to I'm going to talk about a few films that mm. have some good posters, some kind of iconic posters that maybe made you go see the film or maybe made you go against the film. All right. All right. So first of all, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Can you remember that poster? Yes. Kind of hand painted. Yeah. Um, the artist who painted that is uh, Richard Amsell. It was kind of a big trend in like eighties, and it's it's something that's coming back now. I mean, obviously, you always say that you know history recreates itself for every twenty years in regards to pop culture. And back in the eighties, and even like the late seventies with the Star Wars posters, it has that hand painted style. It's very colorful and very saturated. But I think the fact that it looks like a comic book, it kind of lends itself for you then the viewer or like the kind of you would say the person who's buying under this film that you think oh it's about comic booky it's about adventure you know like your kind of standard comic books of the time were and without even knowing anything about the film whatsoever and just looking at the artwork of the poster maybe the images on the actual poster so itself. you have you have indiana in the middle yeah. you have maybe the characters and then the vigilantes yeah. and the around the sides you've got a preconception of what the film is just by the actual aesthetic of the poster and that's obviously one of the main fucking aims of any marketing campaign that's why I think that the poster obviously now you have so many more ways to actually market a film because you've got the internet whereas back then the the poster was the thing like you know what I mean it it. was the main thing to kind of that and the trailer we don't have we we don't have internet at that time (laughs) (laughs) We do, it doesn't work. Specifically with Indiana Jones ones, it's kind of, because that's kind of harking back to the kind of pulp adventure kind of TV shows that it's it's based on. And I think that style of poster 
goes well with that kind of style of what it was at the time. So. Spielberg and Lucas, when obviously they were doing uh, Indiana Jones and the Indiana Jones series in general, I mean, th- their main influence was sort of uh, 50s B-movies, like 50s adventure B-movies, you know, like uh, East of Java and stuff like that. And they were trying to hark back to that sort of tradition, whilst also sort of trying to modernise it and having this comic book aesthetic. And it just works because... They always, I mean, like most posters from the 40s, 50s, or whenever else, they were always hand-painted. And it was trying to show this hand-painted effect. Like, it's it's something old, but it's also something new, because it's going to be a modern adventure. And, you know, you've got fucking Han Solo as the main character. So it's playing up to that actor, or, like, his background. So it was kind of like a nice marriage. All right, next. Next we have uh, E.T. Boom. E.T., uh, who was uh, designed... By John. you were going to tell us who E.T. was. <laughs> by John Alvin. I'm talking about posters here, yeah. guys. John Alvin. All right, John Alvin. It's the two, the kind of fingers touching, like E.T., the two fingers touching. Mm. Um, what do you think about that? It's almost in space, but then underneath is Earth. Yeah. Do you have any feelings about that? You want to say something? No. <laughs> I, I, think... I have one thing to say about Go. it. Uh you know, in that poster was Spielberg's daughter was one of the fingers. Ah, yeah. already. I thought that nice. was kind of nice. That's a nice wee touch, kind of cool. literally. You just don't have to have anything to say about it because I got a lot of shit to go through. No, but I, I, I do, I do like it obviously again because through that poster alone, it's showing obviously an alien hand, something not of this earth, but then it's also showing Earth itself, and that already gives you the insight and the fact that the film is called fucking E.T. the Extraterrestrial, that it's going <laughs> to be... And his adventures on Earth. And his adventures <laughs> on Earth, that it's going to be this alien come to Earth. And I mean, basically, a poster in its most basic level is supposed to sort of spoon-feed the narrative thee, and if not spoon-feed the narrative thee, then it's supposed to give you almost a like wet, of aye, wet your lips, like wet, wet your lips of, of what the, the poster could be. Or sorry, I don't like the this expression, be. wet your lips. Is, is, is that a term, no? Maybe wet your whistle. Wet your whistle, sorry, wet your whistle. I wet your lips about sexual. Yeah. But like, wet your whistle, it's... it's, I, it's kept a... wet. I kept wet my lips. Every <laughs> <laughs> time you look at that poster, your lips get wet. But <laughs> oh, Jesus Oh, Jesus. oh, oh what they're actually, oh. no. I've just realised, sorry. Oh. I'm sorry, sorry. fancy. There's a, there's oh, a, sorry. <laughs> sorry. It's it's the fingers there's, that does it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Start again. <laughs> it was either E.T. or Tommy Dick fingers. That's what they're going to call them. <laughs> Or ever penis hands. <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen that porno? No. Fuck what? There's a, there's a porno called ever penis I'd hands. I never want to see so that. In, uh, no, instead of having blades on his hands, he's just got cocks. But anyway, continue on to the next poster. All right, all right. It's, it's weird so Johnny Depp did that after. <laughs> <laughs> he's looking for a hat man. He's had a bad couple of years. <laughs> all right, so what I've got is um, American Beauty. Mm. Can you oh, remember I, that poster? Yeah, that, that's that's an incredible poster. Do you because remember how it looks? Yes. It's just, so it's, it's just, a small mm. font. It's basically someone holding a rose up to their torso. Yeah. And it's really reconnecting with that scene, that kind of schoolgirl covered in roses in a bathtub yeah, scene, which is that film personified, really. I think that's, that's like... That's, see, that's near like a kind of mood poster. Like yeah, it that's... Really, that's P- P.S. That's a pulse advertising that done that. Oh. They, they were in charge of that. I mean, yeah. I think that it's really interesting you brought that one up because that's going kind of completely against the last two posters we talked about because E.T. and and uh, Indiana Jones raised a lost arc. That is, like I was saying before, kind of spoon-feeding what the narrative is and it's giving you a taste of what the film is going to be. 
Whereas this is the other sort of poster, the, the subtle poster that kind of leaves you guessing what the fuck's this about. And it's very kind of drawn back and, and restrained. So you see this rose going up against the torso and you're thinking. And again, it's, it's that it's, sort of... It's intriguing though. Like yeah, it's intriguing. And you're intriguing. thinking, but it's still quite sexualized. And you're thinking, oh, I, but you can kind of get a, a sense that it's an adult drama. You know what I mean? And it's, it's something in, 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 akin to... Like you don't want your wings looking at the poster. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the next one I've got is a uh, train spotting poster. Mm-hmm. Uh, initially, uh, they were given the people who were in charge of creating this poster were given a a Beatles biopic. They were kind of look at this and they didn't like it. Uh, then who made it? Mark Blamir and Rob O'Connor didn't really work. It didn't really work at all. So then they went for that kind of individual yeah. snapshot of each person and then bring it all into one. Nearly kind of like a like a lineup, like mug shots or yeah. something. I think I think the reason that they kind of went for that they had they had a very good basically the they had a very good set of black and white photographs of all of the cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they put them all together because I I think that have you read Irvin Welsh's Train Spotting? No, I've yeah. never actually read. No. All right, so Irvin Welsh's Train Spotting is all told by individual. Mm. Every chapter you read is told by a different point of view, and I think that's why they went with that poster and they end up because they have. Everyone's different point of view. Yeah, I like the posters yeah. you're choosing as well because it's actually a really good kind of overview of like poster market in general. Because we've talked about the solo poster, we've talked about the poster that's kind of very on the nose and tells you what the film is, and then this is an art style of poster where this is a poster that is more than likely kind of alluding to the fact, or maybe trying to pinpoint specifically the book readers because the book readers know these characters already, and it was a yeah. very famous book, and it still is a famous book. So just by showing the characters. Obviously, a lot of people who were going to see that film would have read the book anyway. So actually just seeing the characters on the poster will entice somebody even more. And you don't really have to say much else. And because it's such a character-driven film, I mean, like, obviously you can't have a poster of a boy sitting on a fucking tenement building smacking heroin on them. Like, so he could. He could. I don't know. <laughs> could you get away with it? I'm not sure. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's just interesting how many forms a poster can take. But a poster, like, train spotting as well, it's, like, if you look at it now and see, like, like, like some of them... Like the people in the film, like none of them were stars at the time, but they kind of went on to be stars. If you looked at it now, it, you could see it nearly being as oh, like a standard, like floating head yeah. poster. But at the time, but they it's weren't completely different. <laughs> Quite ballsy, and maybe exactly. in, maybe in a way as well from the marketing department, it was a way of making these known actors the characters that the people who were actually going to see the film wanted them to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe it was a way of maybe sort of enforcing in your mind that this this was fucking. Uh, Renton, this was fucking. Jeez, what do you call him again? I don't know. I what do you call Robert Carlyle's character? Ah, Begbie. Porn. You know what I mean? That, that, oh, Begbie. Begbie. It's almost trying to enforce in your mind that this is the character that you've read about and this is now our visual representation, I suppose. Sweet. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I'm talking shit. Well, that. No, no, you're not talking shit. Maybe that is, that is the main reason that they went for that. That have every character have their different silhouette almost like a mugshot like yeah. a lineup yeah next poster so next poster is attack of the 50 foot woman oh. 
which was which came out during the time that B movies were massive because TV was just becoming massive, yeah. so cinema kind of had a fallback a wee bit. Yeah. Um, and this is Reynold Brown, who pretty much painted most of these kind of B movie horror blah. And this is one of his only odd ones that I wanted to bring up because usually it's women running away from a monster, but in this one, the woman is the monster. Oh, <laughs> that's a really like it's a really iconic poster. But too. oh, go on. She has the monster, but she's also scantily clad. Yes, and of massive. Course. She's a babe. She's the babe. So that's important. So he, he you can st- you like can see his style in that because, yeah, like yeah, she's uh, but she's hot too. I, I think as well we uh, B movie posters. It's almost like a, well, I suppose this is, is pretty much the case anyway. But we B movie posters. It was trying to show that B movies obviously really low budget really low production but they were trying to be as maybe exploitative and maybe get as much sort of excitement on there as possible exactly. so scantily clad woman huge monster action but suspense. then she's the monster yeah God, exactly and i mean i love it it's, it's her standing over like a freeway or something <laughs> i pick her up a car or something i haven't seen it in years but uh, i mean that's just whereas we're I mean, that's the complete antithesis of the American Beauty poster because I mean American Beauty is complete subtlety and you don't really know what's going on but yeah. that is just bah. down your fucking throat <laughs> this is a film about a massive woman <laughs> imagine if the poster was just like the midriff of the 50 foot woman <laughs> <laughs> steady of flower it was a cure <laughs> oh that would be so good that would be good, that would be good. we should do that let's make it right. market for it like, with... alright the next one I have is Batman oh which one? Uh, Tim Burton with Nicholson and Keaton. Yes. Uh, and I think this was the the first film that really only had the Batman emblem. Had uh, it. it didn't have any actors on the front of it. None of, no actors, nobody. But it it didn't have the, the kind of sewn in, like I sewn my emblem. It was, yeah. it was the first kind of graphic hard cut definitive Batman yeah. symbol. The one, it's, it's the one you see in all the t-shirts now, yeah. like, the sort that, of kind of... That was the first... The cartoon sacks were really yellow with a kind of black bat in the middle, eh? Well, mm-hmm. with, with that one, like, that just that just shows, like, they... Cause the they power don't, of they, a symbol. I, they, they, they don't need to promote <laughs> it with the actors or, or the director or whatever. All they need to do is just show yeah. the Batman logo because Batman such, was such a big character. Yeah. That, that's all you need to do. That's easy marketing because, like Mike, you were saying, when you have a property that's that big, everybody knew that symbol anyway, so you don't need to think about it whatsoever. You don't have to have this sort of subtlety way American Beauty. You don't have to have this really kind of over-the-top uh, attack of the 50-foot woman. You literally just have to have a fucking just symbol on a Batman. black background. <laughs> it's Batman. That's all you need to know. Like, And that's, like, when they revealed the logo for Batman vs. Superman, like, that's all they did when they announced the film. People lost their shit just over the logo. <laughs> it's the Superman logo just with a bat in the background. Like, you know what I mean? That's a shit-looking bat. Those fucking market men are getting millions. Like, <laughs> Aye, there was... Definitely so many different iterations of, oh, what kind of bat should it be? How big should this S be and all this hair uh, crack? It's, it's mental and think about it. <laughs> all right. All right. So the next one uh, is The Exorcist. 
That's a crack. Can you just remember in your mind, yes. everyone? Anyone? I I only remember this poster because Sean Coyle did a Photoshop of it and put Colm Heron in it. <laughs> it was Colm Heron. All right. So of, um, uh, initially, uh, Bill Gold. Uh, his brief was he wanted nothing to do with a possessed person. No, he didn't want anything at all in that, and uh, that's why it turned out to be that poster because he got that from the, the stills, yep. yeah, from the film because nothing else it's, worked for him. It's 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 quite a chilling poster. It, it's very ominous. Exactly, the perfect word, and it works so well because you see the sort of cloaked figure standing outside what seems to be this normal house but and who, this, who is that cloaked figure it's Max von Sydow <laughs> but uh, it's, 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 it's Max von Sydow obviously standing outside what you would kind of assume is this normal kind of suburban American house but then there's this really glaring yellow light coming out of the top window and it's sort of a mishmash of what we were talking about already it's that subtlety but then it's also sort of alluding to either Sean not quite right here you know what I mean it's, it's sort of it's subtlety for the horror genre as opposed to subtlety for maybe the uh the drama from from the American yeah, Beauty poster yeah. we we're talking about, but I've always I, and there's no, it's no coincidence why that poster's so fucking ridiculously iconic because you're starting to think, what's this about? You know, it does seem ominous because it's very kind of it's a sort of dark color palette except that huge light that's yeah. coming out at fucking Max von Sydow standing outside this house. You're thinking, what's going on in that room? And then obviously through all the other marketing from The Exorcist, I like it too because with any other horror film from the time which is maybe like a slasher or fucking like an, an exploitation film or something like that, like maybe a cannibal holocaust, which I think literally just has a woman tied up and all cut and bruised, where you're just kind of being spoon-fed the fact that this is violent, this is gory. The Exorcist is, you would say, a more refined horror, so it kind of dictates the poster as well. It has to be a bit more stripped back and a wee bit more refined and kind of a Lundy song as opposed to just putting fucking Linda Blair's demonic fist on a poster, you know what I mean? All right, so uh, the next one I have is Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. What's the poster for that? The poster is Jodie Foster. <laughs> <laughs> Jodie Foster uh, with like a moth on her mouth. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. And it's, um, people can think it really straight edge, but there's, there's kind of like a hidden subtext within that. Yep. If you kind of looked close into the moth there's a skull and uh, I've, I've written this down <laughs> I, I've written hidden arrow <laughs> you really like, have to spell it out for yourself <laughs> no but I know this <laughs> no but the, the skull the skull at the back of the head of the moth is from a Salvador Dali fuck off really yeah, no, wait here. Wait, no, wait here. I'm going to read it properly so I can tell you. Salvador Dali's In for Tate Morse, which is a photograph of Salvador Dali. This isn't even Salvador Dali, right? It's going. That's why it's so Hannibal. Oh, it annoys me. Right? This is a photograph by Felipe Halsman. Because that. See, right, you know the moth in her mouth? Yeah. That is a photograph of Felipe who has been inspired by Salvador, which is so Hannibal. Yeah. It's so Hannibal. Like, it's this, it's that, it's that. It's so artistic. It's like, that sort I of sado uh, intellectualism yeah. that fucking Hannibal has all the time. Uh, 
I mean, like, that's really hard to read, Andy, but the fact that they even fucking... I'm sorry, I didn't explain that it well. fair play, like. But they did. But, it, but they did. Right. Sorry, do you understand that that Hannibal poster is pretty recognisable? Oh, yeah, definitely. And no one really knows about I'm it. But I've never known that. No one knows about it, so it doesn't matter. I love it. It's fine. Next poster. The next one is Pulp Fiction. Boom. All right, I think you guys can take over explaining how it looks. I think the reason that Pulp Fiction is kind of really iconic, first of all, just through the font of the actual uh, title, the font Pulp Fiction. I I mean, sorry, before we start, I want to talk about, I'm talking about, it's her on the bed. bed, Yep, go. I think it spells out everything that needs to be, because obviously you would almost say that Pulp Fiction in Tarantino's mind anyway is like a modern L.A. noir and you could not have a better representation of a femme fatale than Uma Thurman, completely dressed in black, lying on a bed, looking very sensual, sexualized, smoking a cigarette with a gun beside her. You know, I mean, it's it's all looking right in your eyes. Looking right in your eyes. It's all the fucking tropes of a femme fatale. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's all the tropes of you would say almost film noir in general. But then it's modernized by the fact that obviously it's a modern film, and then it's got this pulp fiction sort of. B-movie text going across it and you're thinking is this a mismatch? Is this like a, a modern recreation? It's it's a really good poster. A really good poster. It's very good. Uh, the next one I got is a, a Clockwork Orange. Mm-hmm. A Clockwork Orange is Bill Gold and Ivan Punkschwatz. <laughs> say Drago. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Man. Fuck it. Strong surname, anyway. I'll say that much. <laughs> Basically, they had a lot of problems making the poster for A Clockwork Orange. The director said no, no, no to a lot of things. And had Kubrick to be difficult, like it's strange. No, I... <laughs> no, no, it's not that he's, he's difficult. He's, <laughs> he's specific. Yes, he's specific. And, uh, what's that? What's that nice word for difficult again? Oh yeah, specific. <laughs> <laughs> Dedicated. <laughs> He's dip specific. <laughs> Headstrong. Well, Paul, this way we can't argue with his fucking output anyway. I can. Twelve phones. Uh, basically, they made a really nice poster out of that. Yeah. They made a nice poster out of like a fucking horrific film. It made me want to watch it. Ah, I'll never watch it again. I've always found as well with A Clockwork Orange in general, never mind through the marketing, but the fact that they have almost now, like, put this way, I dressed up as a drug for last Halloween, and then I thought to myself, no, I, I've dressed up as a drug, but he, they are like serial rippers and absolute thugs, but the, but the fact that they were able to create an iconic character out of Alex DeLarge, and this sort of character who's putting posters of every fucking student's wall there is, I think it just shows the part of the marketing kind of, you can overlook how shit the character actually is. All right, all right. So, so the end, so the end is, this, this is the end of my topic and possibly what could have been the start of what would be now multimedia advertising is Ghostbusters. Oh! Ghostbusters, before the film came out, started putting out posters just as the ghost, the yeah, yeah we all know the, Ghostbusters the no, the logo. No ghost logo. In '84, before the film came out, they started putting out these posters. Like, what's that? Then? So yeah, we don't know. Trying to entice people. Like, no one what knows. The fuck's this about? We're enticed. What? 
I'll just read out what I wrote down. Today would be considered viral marketing. (laughs) (laughs) Is that all you wrote down? No, no, I'll read it out. 1984, the poster started to appear. In 1984, the poster started to appear. The cartoon ghost caught in red restriction circles. No title, no director, no credit. But that's true. Yeah. They in eighty four put it out. No, nobody knew. Yeah, nobody like, know. Were, nobody know. Nobody know about this thing. Nobody know about this nobody ghost. Knew. <laughs> but it's almost like they were trying to kind of underhandly put that image in people's minds. It was and the people... first ever viral marketing Fuck, ever. I never knew that because you think to yourself, right? If you were nineteen eighty four, maybe beating about the streets, you seen that poster. You wouldn't realize it at the time, but subconsciously, that image would be in your head. Yeah. You'd be kind of subconsciously thinking about it. And then when you actually seen the proper poster in the trailer for Ghostbusters, you'd roll, fuck, I've seen that a long time ago. I didn't realize it, but I've been thinking about that. I kind of want to see this film. And as well as I, Ghostbusters, it, so it's sweet. I, but but it, it, it makes it, like, when the actual proper poster comes out then, like, it's something familiar. Familiar. Like, you kind of relate to it. It's like, oh, fuck yeah, I, I know that from somewhere. Like... Have I heard about this film? What is this film? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. It kind of it just it gets you in, in, interested, and they find out more about it because you didn't realize you had known about it for a yeah, year. exactly. <laughs> and it creates a want. They see this film that you think that you actually know, which you actually have no idea what it's about whatsoever. Or uh, it's or it like people might be thinking like, oh, is this is this based on something? Like, is this based on like yeah. something old? I've like, seen this I, I've seen, I've definitely seen this before. I know I have. <laughs> see, they don't craft, they market and bastards. Hey? They know every trick in a book. One thing I will say, just to wrap this up, and it's been a great fucking topic. I've really enjoyed it. But and very quickly, I don't want you to explain why because we're going to try and move on. But your favorite film poster, Kiva Sweeney. I'm going to say Gerald Interrupted. Boom, Michael Breslin. I need more time to think about this. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 stop. Go of, back. Of just, what, of what just we talked about. Anything, no. doesn't matter. You're not going to be committed. To, we're not well, judging no, you. All, just all that came into my head was American Beauty, but Done. that's because we Done. talked about doesn't that. Doesn't matter. Done. Uh, Go. The Dark Knight. Yeah. The Dark Knights. Nice. Rosemary's Baby. Boom. Boom. Just going to say shit. Shit doesn't. I know, forever. but it's just a bit of a cop out because we had talked about it. <laughs> That's why it's it was not in my head. It's not a cop out. Okay, we will move on to recommendations. Good tone, strong tone. Yeah, it was a wee quick one. This I one. like that though. It's not too far, but I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> I really like it. Um, okay, recommendations. Somebody put their hand up. Boom. Hey. Uh, Shan- no, Shan Cole is always first. Go ahead. Keep first. Keep first. No, I you get- had your hand up yeah. first. That's, well, that's, me, me, that's, that's the rules, Shan. <laughs> right, uh, my recommendation this week is uh, Aguirre Wrath of God, 1972, Werner Herzog. It's seen as like a classic, a cinema, European cinema especially. It is about uh, 15th century conquistadors going through the Amazon rainforest to... What's a uh, conquistador? It was basically like a, a, a crusader during the crusades. They were trying to bring Christianity to like South America and, yeah. and, and Asia and stuff like that. But it's about these 15th century conquistadors going through the Amazon jungle. They try and convert, as they see, sort of South American savages to Christianity. Uh, well, just Christianity in general. Uh, uh, this is Christianity by mistake Se- there. Several Christianities. Several Christianities. <laughs> several. But it is uh, absolutely unbelievable. Uh, 
stalwart performance by Klaus Kinski, one of the greatest performances that just shows psychosis and psychosis taking over when you're out in the jungle in the middle of nowhere, you don't know directions, you don't have food, and everything just seems to be closing in on you. Not only that, but it's got the sort of standard Herzog themes of like uh, abuse of nature, nature in general, and religion, and how vacant religion can be. But it's an amazing film, and it's even more amazing the fact that it was shot on a fuck-all budget, and it still holds up now. Not, I'm not saying that there's any sort of fucking CGA battle sequences, but it was the fact that they actually went through the Amazon, because Herzog was notoriously yeah. a very fucking he was like a Kubrick in a way hands-on director and he wanted it to be as realistic as possible and it comes across that way what what was the polite word again for difficult <laughs> dedicated <laughs> he's a very dedicated director uh Harry I would like to recommend The Shining yes that's a recently I've just found it on Netflix never fucking heard it mate is it on Netflix The Shining is it Jesus oh, I'll, I'll watch the shit out just watch um, just find it. Wait, is, are, are you one of them cheating American user? No, Netflix but is it, it, you know, ah. you guys know that there's a a lot of different versions of The Shining. What? There's at least two different versions of The Shining. I would yeah. say that's a lot. Yeah, but that, but that, that, Two's but... a lot more than one. <laughs> All right, I'll give you that. You can't, you can't argue with that logic. <laughs> <laughs> I, in terms of films, there's only normally one, so if there's more than one, that is a lot, I suppose. <laughs> speak to Ridley Scott. <laughs> He's got Sorry, at least four yeah. versions of every film. Fucking speak to George Lucas. <laughs> Why do you like the Shannon, Harry? It's just a class horror film. It's just one, it's one of those classic ones that you've seen, you know, is this is Stanley Kubrick, isn't it? Yeah. Right. And then, you know, how it start, starts out is just completely normal. You know, how mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson, one of the best actors ever, um, starts off in the film as this seemingly normal former teacher who has re- a bit of writer's block. Yeah, right. And then he thinks he's by getting away into this wilderness, you know, over a period of, they're going to be like, they're going to be trapped there for about, well not trapped, but they're going to be kind of isolated for about two or three months. Five months. Five months is it? Uh, there you go. And then it's just before he starts a job, he hears about the story about the previous caretaker who was... Grady? Aye, Grady. But he you've went. always been here. <laughs> One of my favourite lines ever in cinema. I love that. Anyway, and continue. I, and I corrected them. <laughs> and when my wife seen what I had done... I collected her too. <laughs> so sounds like the creepiest line ever. Oh, but anyway, he's, creepy, he's the creepiest looking baldy bastard ever. <laughs> 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 he just steps in. He just goes, "I don't know what you're all about, sir." And then just, <laughs> I know it's uh, another uh, version another of on the podcast. But you just need to see. You just need to watch a film to see how creepy as fuck is. Um, this seems to be like the mentally ill version of, <laughs> of recommendations. <laughs> no, I, my, <laughs> my, my recommendation was just going to be the voices like me, me and Kiva talked about earlier, but I was just, I was, a, I was actually too. so just su- surprised by the film and maybe it's just cause I wasn't expecting much from it, but I just, I, I really enjoyed it. And I just like, there's, there's a lot in there to really in, enjoy and just respect how it was put together and how it was made and I think it's it's a wee hidden gem Boom. and it's on Netflix that legit UK I Netflix definitely <laughs> I'm gonna give you props <laughs> boom Kiva Swinney right, wrap it my up. turn um, I'm, I'm also gonna go for uh, Marjan Stratopi whatever you call her Persopolis 
by Marjan Satrapi. Watch it. It rocks. She is literally like this cool, like young Iranian chick who you would be anyone. It would be you, it would be your daughter, it would be your friend. And you have to have a good time. But what you get from watching this movie is you're not allowed to have this time. Yeah. You're not allowed to have this time because you're a girl. You're not allowed. You're not you're you're not allowed. Because you're not enough fashion. Because you're state. a girl. You're not allowed. And that's what that film's about. And that's why you love it, because the girl trying to break through the chains. But she broke through it. Boom. She broke through it. Harrison. Just before we end, one thing I would like is me tribute to the late and great David Bowie and Alan Rickman. Woo! Sadly passed away. 100%. Goblin I... King and Hans Gruber. R.A.P. Yeah, like, um, just because the way it worked out with us recording, we haven't actually recorded since both of them passed away. Yeah, sorry so we that. So we haven't mentioned it, I suppose, but... Uh, it's it, it was it was weird for me when I heard they died because I, like I would never say like oh I'm a massive boy fan or like say like I'm a big Alan Rickman fan like I obviously respected them massively and any of boy of lesson day I've loved but I'm just I just didn't super get on the I just don't really get on the music anyway it's a weird thing to talk to me about <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah but it actually kind of hit me harder than what I expected because they were just the two of them were just both so good at what they did and like alan rickman is one of the most iconic villains of all time in hans gruber yeah because like like hans gruber is just what all other villains are compared to yeah like like i've actually heard people say all are like real life villains yeah yeah like i've actually heard people say like oh how does how does this villain rate against hans gruber like like he he is the the one and only top he's the definition like you know only Villain, villain Ray, sorry, villain Lee, I said. <laughs> but, and just the the kind of diversity that Alan Rickman did in his roles, because, like, he could play the villain, like, he he completely changed it up then as as a villain with the Sheriff of Nottingham, yep. which is a completely mental role if you go back and watch it, kind of with, like, I, like I've seen that film a lot as a kid, but if you actually kind of watch it with your adult eyes, it's it's he's he's a fucking rock star in that film, like you know. What I mean? Also played uh, Eamon de Valera and Michael Collins, which oh. always flies on their radar. And then of course, probably his most famous role beside Gruber, Sheriff Snape. So he's a massive loss to the cinematic world, I think personally, because you can spout all these cliches like he was so gifted and so versatile, but it really was the case with him. You know, what I mean, he, he could literally fit from and comedic performance to dramatic, and then everybody forgets as well as the uh, as I, I'm not sure if it's the voice, but. And Dogma, he's probably the best thing about Dogma too. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, the, the angel. The angel. Ah, but what's his name? Yes. It's 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 the Metatron. The Metatron. That's who is. But and then in regards to Bowie, probably one of the greatest musicians ever lived. And so, also a good actor. Also a great actor. Uh, he's got a good wee turn to prestige, which always flies on the radar as well. Yeah, as, he's like Nikola Tesla. Uh, he, <laughs> it's a that, very, when, very small When he role. first comes into that film, he's literally walking through lightning. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Like, and only Bowie could pull that off with such that, restrained cool. You because, know I mean? uh, because Bowie just had that otherworldly kind of quality yeah. about him anyway. Did, did you hear why Christopher Nolan hired him for Tesla and the prestige? No. Because uh, Christopher Nolan felt that... Um, Tesla was the original man who fell to Earth. Ah, Ooh. I I actually think I did hear that before. So he actually he the first time he offered it to David Bowie, David Bowie turned it down, and he actually went 
it said in an interview recently, because Christopher Nolan put up a tribute to him, and he actually went and said one of the things he always remembers is he actually went and begged David Bowie to take the role. And what I loved is, like, obviously through this, and it kind of adds on to what you were saying, Harry, through all, like, you know, that kind of flooding of tributes to David Bowie and stuff like that, the best thing that i seen, or the best tribute that i seen was all, I can't believe that David Bowie's dead because I didn't think that people like him could die. So it was almost yeah. like he was considered a starman, like somebody from another world. He was constantly recreating himself and constantly just being one of the fucking most inventive musicians and most inventive artists in general of all time. So it's a huge loss, as is Alan Rickman. But anyway, Mickey, wrap this shit up. R.I.P. guys. Okay, and we shall wrap up there. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us on Facebook, Let's Talk More Movies Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, at Talk More Movies. Or you can email us, let's talk more movies at gmail.com. You can also like us, leave us some comments on iTunes, ACAST, or Stitcher Radio. Leave us some reviews, let us know what you think. You bastards. Leave us <laughs> <laughs> reviews, cats. Thank you so much for listening. I have been your host, Michael Breslin. Shackles with Shackles. Yeah. Harry's been Harring. Yeah. Kiva Sweeney's in the toilet. <laughs> Someone do an impression of Kiva. Hey guys, thanks. That's <laughs> awful. That's so Thank you so. Oh, episode thirty-eight. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh, you fucked it up, Harry. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, I was saying a wee creepy one, and you go, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus Christ. Hey. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.